This is Mark Merrill, and you are listening to the Attitude Era Podcast. Previously on Frasia. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a... What? It was me all along, Austin! You all bought hook, line, and sinker! Even my family, even my immediate family bought it! What is you know? Mr. McMahon is frantic! His daughter, Stephanie, is missing! She's obviously been abducted by some members of the ministry! I don't feel safe at home. The only place I really feel safe... When I'm, with, when I'm with my dad. I care about Stephanie. I care about her safety. Of course. And her welfare. Every damn one of you were made fools of. The only place I really feel safe is when I'm with, when I'm with my dad. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Earlier today, I stepped down as the CEO of this company, not before I handpicked my own successor. It's going to be a little less formal, more casual at the office. Cut off jeans. How about a little profanity in the office? Well, Austin 316 says, son of a I just whipped your ass. Drinking on the job. Yeah. Stephanie and me to introduce you to the new CEO. Oh yeah! Look at the look on McMahon's face! You think the McMahon CEO has evil, demonic plans has seemingly backfired in the face of Vince and Shane McMahon! Hello everyone, you're listening to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number 15. Well, they straight off the bat, Billy told me the number before, <laughs> before we started. It's been a while since the episode, Christmas, laryngitis, things like that, it's fun right. stuff. It was worth the wait though, because we just had an opener there from one of the all-time greats of the Attitude Era. Friend uh, of the podcast. A, man, yeah. a man's man, uh, one handsome virile son of a bitch, Mark Merrow. One of our favourites. Mark Mero. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that we're all big, massive fans of Mark Mero. So he, he obviously not. doesn't listen to the podcast. Clearly not. He'll, he'll sign anything <laughs> where, if he's asked to. But I know he joins such luminaries now with Ahmed Johnson and Jimmy Corderas. <laughs> Jimmy Corderas and now Mark Mero. So We've really got all the stars of the Attitude Era so far, I think. You can't we? be first, but you can be next. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Once again, I'm Kevin Mann. Joining as I am always in this uh, review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts. Comrades and colleagues, first of all, Adam Bibolo. Hello, Adam. Hi there, Kevin. Are you looking forward to talking about King of the Ring? Yes, it's been a long time coming this episode, so I'm extremely excited that we're doing this. Yeah, anything can be better than No Mercy as well, right? Jesus Christ, what a hideous wreck that was. Yeah, and uh, to my left, the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello, Billy. Hello there. How's things? Pretty good. Not much to complain about. You uh, Apart from this pay-per-view. Oh! 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 
So if you want to leave a rating or review on iTunes, is <laughs> um, right before we get into the actual pay per view, got to discuss it there at the at the top of the hour, so to speak. For months, uh, in the timeline of the podcast, the Undertaker and the Ministry of Darkness have been alluding to, and oftentimes blatantly stating, and even more times mispronouncing that they are in fact working for a higher power, i.e., a higher power or a greater power. It changed quite a bit we found out now after all this time all this foreshadowing going back to the what the, before the Royal Rumble yeah it's been a long time yeah. now yeah. around the time Undertaker was buried alive he started talking about this higher power now speculation was completely all over the place at the time I mean looking back I love looking back at old angel fire boards yeah. and the old dirt sheets and things like that people had a long list of names of who they thought the higher power was going to be among them Jake the Snake Roberts really who had been showing up in ECW around the time spouting biblical nonsense had been drop kicked off the wagon so to speak <laughs> I just like the idea that the undertaker and the ministry was just one big like bender <laughs> shit man I woke up in Las Vegas I had 10 guys in black working for me. I kidnapped the boss's daughter. Oh, shit, man. But, uh, the, other, the other one which I heard, which I really like the idea of, we mentioned this man very, very briefly before, which was uh, the Jackal. The Jackal, of course, Cyrus the Virus from ECW. Oh, the one that gets turned on. Yeah, yeah. he gets uh, turned on by the Acolytes. And that, that was uh, alluded to as well, that possibly it was Cyrus, because they had always um, you know, said that the Jackal had these uh, David Koresh-like qualities and a leader of men. And all right. this kind of stuff. Turns out it was Vince McMahon. Why? Nah. How? Now he doesn't know. I'm in two two minds about this. First of all, now strike me down if I'm wrong. But that reveal where it's it's me, Austin. That is the just the best fucking thing ever. It's, <laughs> it's so so, so entertaining. It's just everything that I love about the Attitude Era wrapped up in a little in a little basket there. I remember a friend of mine was talking about it once, and he said he loves so much just the way Jr. says, "Ah, oh, son of a bitch," just because it's not sort of like he's angry or anything. It's sort of like I can't believe he fooled us. That no good rap bastard Vince. Even McMahon. his immediate family. <laughs> <laughs> Every damn one of us were made fools of. It's it's difficult because I've been trying to. We want to keep secrets from Billy. We don't want Billy yeah. to know all the stories. But you, this clip has been made so famous. You obviously knew. Yeah. It was Vince coming. Yes. Do you think it made any sense? Not a fucking tall. No, really. No. Yeah. So, the basics of it being Vince created this group and then orchestrated the kidnapping of his own, of his own daughter. daughter. Then enlisted the help of Stone Cold Steve Austin his enemy yep. to save his daughter he then thanked his daughter only to reveal that it was a ploy all along and it was all against Stone Cold the aim of which was to um, <laughs> keep Stone Cold from winning the championship yes uh, a master plan which included for one of its steps keep the belt on us <laughs> <laughs> backlash is a gorgeous error smart thinking it's like remember when Hitler in World War 2 just gave France back like was, <laughs> yeah I don't need it like you know so yeah it doesn't make any sense it's ridiculous but the one I mean strictly kayfabe wise maybe trying to make sense of it the only way I can make it is that because Vince has such a mad look in his eyes at the time mm. he's like Austin made me do it so it's like he's gone so far off the deep end and he's so obsessed with Austin that he is concocting Machiavellian counterintuitive schemes, fucking himself over at the same time. Yeah, and he's like the Mad King Vince McMahon now. Yeah, he's, that, he's that, gone that, mad. Now, 
Let, let, let that be it. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. They barely refer to the fact that he's the higher power ever again. But I know a lot of people I, who like hold this moment so dear, so I felt it needed addressing. Oh, yeah, totally. It's an important moment. So it's uh, the landscape has changed quite a bit since our, our, our last episode. Yes. We've got Vince McMahon is now apparently the uh, de facto leader of the corporate ministry, the most omniscient evil group ever, now with Vince McMahon at the helm. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the CEO. And the fucking... <laughs> Undertaker's the world champion. What's the going on? <laughs> Slow down there. <laughs> I know. What the hell? We've had periods in the podcast where there's been like stretches of three or four months that have had less storyline development than this. This yeah. makes no sense. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Absolute absurdity. I know. This is the kind of breakneck speed I was praying for when it was uh, when it was whose side is Kane and Undertaker oh, on. But he needs to say things have changed quite a bit. It's gone quite amazingly strange. And oh yeah, by the way, we also happen to have a bit of a tournament on our hands. It's King of the Ring 1999. We stand. On one of the strange, strange promontories of human history. The only thing wor- worse than Stone Cold Stone being the World Wrestling Federation champion. Allow Stephanie and me to introduce you to the new CEO. The Stone Cold, Stone Cold being the CEO. Stone Cold Steve Austin is having a blast running your stupid little company. At a time like this, you're forced to deal with your irreducible essence. Sometimes plans go awry. Force to grapple with that which is really important to you. Now let's get down to business, business. That's not what your company can do for you. Two of the more wanted their shame, glorious bastard employees I ever had. As what you can do for your company. Austin, Jane, and Ben McMahon understand the corporate ladder. I'm not a crook. We understand I'm not a crook. the ladder of success. I've earned everything I've got. We challenge you to a ladder match. Ladder match. Dan and I are risking it all. We are risking it all. It's winner take off. A ladder match for ownership of the WWF. It's winner take off. For leaders, the pain is often intense. You can go up, up the you ladder. You can go down the ladder. You can run around the damn ladder. But you must smile through your tears. You can rest assured both your asses belong to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And keep moving with the faith that there's a brighter side somewhere, 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 somewhere. King of the Ring 1999 coming to us from Greensboro, North Carolina. Do you recall who these people are? The, these these churchgoers in the audience. Oh wait, is this the shit crowd from Unforgiven last yes, year? Yes, the yeah. one in the same. Oh, yeah. yes. Our first difficult crowd we came across <laughs> yeah. and they're back in full swing tonight. Sold out to see the coronation of a new King of the Ring. Starting off there with the intro package, we mentioned you know, the first King of the Ring we reviewed, King of the Ring 1998 that they just don't mention the fact that he's King of the Ring. Yeah. Even less so here. A yeah. continuing tradition, yeah. You can see why they eventually got rid of it because it yeah. came less and less about the actual... Yeah. And it's bad as well because, I mean, last year as well now, you'd kind of... I mean, the year before Shamrock can kind of like point to you know, the winner and kind of go, oh, you know, Triple H, man, his career took off. And before that, oh, Steve Austin and Owen Hart and Bret Hart and all those. But now you're looking at kind of, well, I want to win so I can have the year that Ken Shamrock had. Yeah, what Which was, I mean, we're fans, but it was a steady downhill decline. Definitely. Yeah. A couple of opportunities, but by and large, King of the Ring. Please, fuck it, not not the launching pad it should be I think they wanted to call this pay-per-view that's not going to happen tonight that's not going to happen any night 1999 but uh, so our interpackage there we've got fucking hell John F. Kennedy Martin Luther King Richard Nixon yeah uh, some of your favourite superstars of old. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, man, I remember when Nixon and Andre went 40 minutes in, uh, in Madison Square Garden. 
I hate Stone Cold is, is Peppers. Yeah, that is the theme of this it, promo. It's such a great soundbite, just the way he I says hate it. Stone, I hate Stone Cold. I fucking love this promo. Yeah. Absolutely adorable. Really, really good. Didn't really dwell so much on the fact that Vince has uh, been revealed to be the higher power. No. Or that Steve Austin is uh, the CEO. That's an important one, really. They could have yeah, that. They were more, more kind of focused on just the, the repeat-y bit. For example, we have That's Not Gonna Happen Tonight. That's not going to happen any night, just kind of in the background. Yeah, just subtly edited in. How many times do you believe uh, Jerry Lawler said that's not going to happen tonight? Rough estimate, 36, something like that, (laughs) around about there. So the main event tonight, which this is hyping up, your, your intro package here, is both of McMahon's taking on Steve Austin for ownership of the company in a ladder match. Yeah. And the McMahon's took great pleasure in every fucking week before this coming out with a ladder and saying, you must climb the ladder, Austin. And whichever McMahon wasn't on the microphone would do a little pantomime climb the ladder motion. <laughs> Shane McMahon Sassy. just like kind of do a little head wobble climbing the ladder. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a metaphorical ladder as well as a actual ladder in the of main course. Yeah. tonight but uh, kicking things off I gotta say fuck this fucking theme this uh, awful King yeah. of the Ring music oh it's generic yeah the King of the Ring 98 one was, was generic but good this is generic but soulless mm. just nothing to it at all no we're, we're greeted to two signs immediately Vice or anyway but I'm just, uh, there's obviously hundreds and hundreds of signs the two I picked up were 31 days till Rory's Jericho which I thought was very oh, we're getting close now. Yes, the countdown is officially on now. That famous Jericho clock, which he was inspired by the countdown to Millennium clocks that were mm. everywhere in the US at the time. So, and then yeah. uh, towards the top right, 100% homo. <laughs> Fucking hell, what? <laughs> you know, two contrasting Jeez. things there. Just very quickly, a very similar sign to that one as well is, because um, obviously the actor there is obsessed with numbers, Austin, 100% CEO. <laughs> what does that mean? 100% 420.69. And abstract signs will be a great theme tonight. <laughs> I know, it's uh, it's it's funny. I think now that Sable is finally gone, there's just all these numbers strewn across. <laughs> like, what do we do? Like, So we get informed right off the bat um, of an angle that went down on Sunday Night Heat. Basically, Ken Shamrock, as you can imagine, took the whole, yeah, turns out I kidnapped my own daughter business quite hard because as we all know Vince instructed Ken to get his big girl back <laughs> so uh, we had this whole thing where, Shay, where Shane and Vince were being targeted specifically by Shamrock and he was basically trying to kill them on a weekly basis yeah. Shane was made, ta- was made take on Ken Shamrock on Heat and as a result of that Shane is now apparently out of action but also Ken Shamrock got the sticks put to him by Mr. Steve Blackman quite the, uh, viciously so yeah Yeah, this was the uh, evil Steve Blackman we alluded to in the last episode as opposed to the happy-go-lucky beat draws and high-five the fans uh, Steve Blackman were used to. Shamrock is... <laughs> it's such a weird thing to start on, isn't it? We're starting at the King of the Ring and it's just like, immediately we just have like Shamrock refusing medical attention yeah, and all this kind of stuff. S- screaming, stay away from me like he's about to turn into a werewolf in front of everyone. With blood pouring out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, he's already bleeding from the mouth. He's yeah. a sack full of blood. And, and it's, he's just, it's not uh, just that, but it's the way he's on his knees and he's shaking backwards and forwards violently like he's going through an exorcism or something. It's so scary. It does make Steve Blackman seem like a, an ultimate badass. Though. Yeah, but this is how we're starting the pay-per-view? This is really scary. <laughs> and after Shamrock is like snapped. He's like, Dad! He's like crawling away. King quips, as you can see, Shamrock's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. How is this starting a pay-per-view? Recap of Heat, and now we're going to fucking Michael Cole outside Vince's office. Can't string a sentence together. Every other word is him just going, uh, stuttering and pausing left, right, I'll be uh, first to admit, I could not necessarily pay attention to what Michael Cole was saying because he was outside Vince's office with inverted commas and it was just this like 
you know, built-in port picture frame into the door. It was poster board, yeah. Yeah, and there's a shitty little Mr. McMahon name Stuck to plate. the top of it under the clip. Yeah. Clearly that's not Vince's office. Looks cheap as fuck. <laughs> you might as well be standing outside a car boot and go, yeah, I'm outside Vince's office. <laughs> ridiculous. So anyway, we're starting things off with our first of four quarterfinals in the King of the Ring 1999. It's the big shot, Hardcore Holly, taking on the one 2 3 kid himself. It's X-Pac. Bob Holly, who has taken a very interesting role in the last few uh, weeks on Raw. Um, very fucking weird. What's this big shot business? Well... There's two things. He believes he's the big shot and that he's like, you know, he, he calls the shot, so to speak. We're playing by his rules now. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he actually thinks he is big. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's coming out straight-faced on Raw saying, Big Show, I'm taller than you, more or less. <laughs> now, I love, I love Bob Holly. I love him. But he might as well be coming out and saying, I have got black hair. And like, because he's not, like, he's blonde hair. It's just like, it's wrong. So is he's, it, he's wrong. Is he a liar or is he just confused? I think they're doing this whole thing that he's delusion and all that and he's kind of like, oh, I'm one of the super heavyweights. This goes on for months, by the way. Really? You know, we have all this crazy shit like him calling out the acolytes uh, you know, to take him on two-on-one on Raw. He's in matches with Kane, Big Show, Undertaker, Bob Holly. So he's, he's basically stupid is his gimmick now then. Yeah, he's it's kind of... biting off more than he can chew. It's a little bit like what Crash Holly goes on to be, kind of biting off more than he can chew, but he's such a dickhead about it. <laughs> I think that's just Bob Holly's like, natural prickishness shining through. <laughs> I have to say, though, I love it, because you see him coming out here, and like Bob, is, he's fucking huge at the moment, yeah. but just, he's so delusional. He's he's so stop flexing. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's quite funny. As we see from the uh, brackets here, uh, DX has pretty much imploded. Uh, the only guys who are kind of banded together still are X-Pac and Road Dog, as badass Billy Gunn has become Mr. Ass. And yeah, he's, he's gone uh, rogue. He's, he's gone rogue. And now, of course, uh, Triple H and China are both in the corporate ministry. But mm. more on that later. So uh, we start things off. Holly with a uh, knockdown on X-Pac and then goes to the corner for an immediate taunt, also known as my WWE 2K14 strategy. It's a good strategy. <laughs> it ensures uh, showmanship and offense at, uh, in, in equal measures. More or less, straight away, uh, JR says that X-Pac's been a little bit dinged, to which that Jerry says... Yes, he's been dinged, and he may be a little bit dingy, whatever that means. Dingy. dingy. So he's dinged and dingy at the same time. Well, if you're dingy, you're going to get dinged sooner or later, aren't you? Oh, so, so what is he, a Ford Escort? <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Come on. We get a sick powerbomb by Bob Holly. Amazing powerbomb. Really awesome. I have to say, I mean, X-Pac, again, he's, he's kind of like, he's is that benchmark in, in, in WWF, and, you know, Bob Holly shit gimmicks or not he's been there since the mid 90s so I mean yeah. these guys both know the style and they work They work a decent quick match with each other I uh, hate for us to uh, keep going on with the commentary here but this is actually quite an interesting little thing I know it's it's just, point, the commentary is weird all night that, that wasn't just me no no JR yeah. JR particularly just JR's unusual he's not bad yeah. he's just unusual tonight yeah. starting off with this when he says that uh, X-Pac during that powerbomb you mentioned is planted down on his head and shoulders and we ain't talking about shampoo. Now, <laughs> if you cast your mind back a year, we had the head and shoulders joke at King of the Ring 19. I won't call it a joke, I call that an incident. <laughs> <laughs> this is two King of the Rings in a row now, we've had head and shoulders references. I can't wait for 2000 well, now. If Bob, Holly, if Bob Holly pulls out a bottle and tries to pin it now, we'll be like, hang shoulders. on, <laughs> rips off Xbox head and puts it on. We got a Bronco Buster from Xbox, and then Holly's like, screw this gets a chair and clatters the almighty bejesus out of X-Pac unprotected chair shot X-Pac wins I don't want to be king of the ring what is this? I suppose we can go well it's because he's the big shot 
yeah. this ties in nicely to my theory that Hardcore Holly's new gimmick is he is an idiot. <laughs> he just disqualified himself. This, yeah, I know. And he wouldn't mind. Any other match is fine. But like King of the Ring. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Try. Yeah, give it, give it a go at least. You're the like, big shot. <laughs> try. Bob Holly's there and he's kind of like, you know, he's laid at X-Pac and then he's, you know, Road Dog appears. He chases off Holly. And Holly's walking back kind of like, yeah, who's the real winner? It's X-Pac. <laughs> he won. You you DQ'd yourself. But yeah, we cut back then with Terry Taylor. T-squared. T-Dog. The T- <laughs> the t- <laughs> you fucking star. Look, look what's written on. I wrote the yeah. exact same. T-squared. Brilliant. I didn't hate working with this. <laughs> Terry Taylor, a.k.a. The Red Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Bob. Why did you just DQ yourself? It's King of the Ring. And I loved how bad this promo oh, was. God, it's such <laughs> nonsense. All due respect... But you just got yourself disqualified out there and you're no longer in the King of the Ring tournament. Who in the hell are you? I'm Terry Taylor. Who cares? Let me tell you something. You see, it's real simple. I'm the big shot. And we play by my rules and nobody else's. And everybody around here, (laughs) they're going to learn to live with that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, by the way, (laughs) I hadn't forgotten about you. Big show. He just says, "Well, I play by my rules. And yeah. My rules don't work because he got disqualified." And then he goes, "Don't think I forgot about you, Big Show." <laughs> he kind of waggles his fingers and then wait, like sort of backs away. I was just like, saying, turning into Tennessee Lee for a second. <laughs> I thought he was going to bust out the uh, yeah, the Hulk Hogan backstroke. Like, don't worry about you, Big Show. I'll dog paddle us to safety, brother. <laughs> Such nonsense and this was all in the space of 10 minutes now as yeah. well yeah. it was a lot thrown at us this is a really fucking like breakneck speed pay-per-view yeah it? and the King of the Ring tournament's clearly in the way as not a single King of the Ring tournament match tonight including the final goes over 5 minutes no mm. we're just in out in out compare yeah. that to the wars you had last year with, mm. with like Rock and Shamrock it's, a lot. it's crazy alright <laughs> I go oh they're in and out really super quick I say the word quick and then I mention our next quarterfinal, which is Kane taking on the big show. Big breakfast, Paul Weiss. Big, bre- <laughs> big, big ovation for the big show, says Jim Ross. <laughs> Comes out to fucking crickets. He looks ridiculous in his tiny pants. Oh, he does, doesn't he? He looks so stupid. There is a pay-per-view coming up. It's not. I thought it was this one for sure. But there's another because you got the plain black trunks. Mm. There is one coming up where he's got like slightly smaller ones. They've oh, got God. they've got a new little Big Show logo on the back, and he obviously was like, "Yeah, I'm a size," you know. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> he, he don't. He don't. They only last the one pay per view. Is all I'm saying. But um, yeah, more on that later. <laughs> yeah. So we get a recap of the Big Show on Monday Night Raw trying to kill Bob Holly, trying yeah. to actually kill him the, with the, a car. I had never heard of this before, and I know. I mean, because I mean, it's so weird. Even mo- modern fans will be kind of like, "Wait, hardcore Holly like involved in?" I- mm. Just so we're clear, the Big Show tried to push a car on top of he, Bob he, Holly. He pushed a car off a ledge, and at the last second, Holly jumped out of the way. He pushed a car off a ledge. Now, I'm not saying this is foreshadowing. I don't want to spoil what does happen for you, Billy, but this will not be the last time we see Big Show try and throw a car at somebody. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say that he could have crushed Hardcore Actually, Holly before like the breaks. year is out on the timeline, we'll have another uh, car incident, yeah. you know. It absolutely. It's so bizarre. What's Bob Holly doing locked up? I mean, I'm all for giving guys storylines, but really? Bob Holly, Kane, and Big Show? It's weird. It makes so no strange. sense. Anyway, we get this uh, match starting off, and straight away, you know, get a couple of nice spots. You know, they're kind of working. Big guy Kane is dwarfed by the size of the Big Show. It's mm. yeah, it's pretty cool. And then just boom, Cray just die. 
dead. Well, it's probably because, like, you know, Big Show throws Kane into the corner and starts working him over a little bit. Then Kane Irish whips Big Show into the opposite corner and starts working him over. And Big Show strikes his way back out and pushes Kane back into the, the other corner and then starts working him over. And they rest in the corner. For, there's so many fucking corners. I remember they had the start when they tried to go do the face-to-face. Yeah. But they got way too close. It was touching noses. Fucking Big Show, go away with your garlic fucking smelling breath. <laughs> just, uh, I wanted Kane just to kind of put his hand up. He's like, Oh, Kane starts spluttering and coughing. I'm this sure. fucking Big Kane, Show's breath probably stinks. Kane's hair like going into Big Show's mouth when he's breathing in. <laughs> the big fucking lumbering bastard. Show starts, you know, manhandling Kane, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, fucking hell. Big Show and Kane. For me, I've always, it's a match which has happened, I'd say, over the years. If it's not happened once, it's happened a hundred times. We've had Kane versus Big Show in their various guises and their fluctuating weights over yeah. the years with varying amounts of hair. Has there ever been a good Big Show Kane match? Not to my knowledge. Um, Think well, about you, you it. You mean one-on-one? Yeah, one-on-one. Well, no, not one-on-one. Has there ever been a good... Has there been a good Big Show Randy Orton match? Another match we've seen a million times with guys with various shades of hair shaved off. Are you fucking kidding me? Or a good Big Show Cena match. I'm just pointing out... Big Show has this nasty habit of getting into best of 5,000 series <laughs> with lads he can't fucking have a good match with. Someone clearly didn't watch Big Show Randy Orton at Survivor Series this year. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was a five-star classic. But, uh, they, they, do, they do try and shape up the uh, the match a bit, get the crowd involved by having quite possibly the worst ref bump spot I've ever seen. <laughs> Take a shot every time there's a ref bump when you listen to this episode. By the way, like, there, there's there's loads in this pay per view. Oh, but I this, know. This one's so bad because it looks like. They try and do one, but he's not in the right place. Then he just stands still, but slowly nudges himself against Big Show Ugh. and gets pushed over. You it's know, you know, it's bad when the crowd don't react to a ref bump when they don't even like go, "Oh, the referee's knocked out. Anything can happen." And if they're not oh. going to react to the first one of the night, I'm sure by ref bump number six, they really won't give a shit. <laughs> so yeah, after that ref bump, the momentum just completely fucking dies because the crowd don't react for the ref bump, and then they make not a noise when Hardcore Holly comes. Hardcore Holly again, again. again. <laughs> he, he was in the last match, and he's back already. King of the Holly, like that's what <laughs> this is. But yeah, Hardcore Holly appears. Kane absolutely murderizes him just so we're keeping score at home. Hardcore Holly did get a pinfall win over Kane on Raw during this weird series of events Seriously? at one point. Yeah. Okay. Insane. Whatever. Uh, at one point, Jim Ross and uh, Jerry Loris are talking, making comparisons between Andre the Giant and the Big Show, which is fucking dangerous territory to be swimming in mm. as well, because you don't want to point out the obvious fucking deficiencies in your in your yeah. Big Giant. Jim Ross says this, and I swear to fucking God, he actually says this legitimately. He goes. The Big Show, I believe, is more athletic than Andre the Giant, and he certainly has more of a mean streak than Andre. Fuck off! More of a mean streak. <laughs> you ripped a crucifix from Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he's, he's more of a mean streak. You, you, Big Show is just better than Andre, isn't he? Like, no one wants to hear that. that. The shit version of the guy you loved as a kid is better than him. Imagine Michael Cole's like, I'm sorry, John Cena's just flat up better than Steve Austin. <laughs> you know, look at him, he, he's way better. Like, he's held the bell loads more. You know, <laughs> pissing on her fucking memories. But yeah, then we get this choke slam spot. Now, with the big guys, you know, Undertaker, Kane, Big Show, they've done this thing a million times, which is like, I gotta choke slam you. Yeah. And then you go, and then you gotta choke slam me. Yeah. You used to do it in the schoolyard all the time. And then maybe one guy will pull the other guy's arm off. But Kane does is he grabs Big Show and just stays there. Just waits. Just waits. waits. I'm gonna buy my time. 
I don't know what happens if Kane like just fucking whited out for a second or well it worked because eventually Big Show got so tired from just standing there and got so bored that he just fell to his knees the crowd just boo the fuck out of it and Jim Ross is like crowd do not like what they're seeing here no and and they shouldn't eventually though they do start chanting for the Big Show because they're bored it gets to a point (laughs) they start chanting for him and then that's when you get the the reprieve yeah but I mean it's all well and good doing the kind of you know rest hole spot wear him down but don't do a rest hole spot that is, first of all, set up for your fucking finisher. Yeah, People are so going to go and teasing do this. Finish. Put his arm on your arm so he can do the choke. Well, yeah, because the idea of Big Show getting lifted up into a choke sound is like, holy shit, Kane's going to choke sound the Big Show. But Kane doesn't so, even try. So. No, he doesn't. He just puts his hand and leaves it there. And, and you know, yeah, if you're doing a rest hole spot, the crowd's always going to go, yay, when you get out of it. But they just, they waited a minute too long in this. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it was really bad because you got all these close ups of the Big Show and, you know, wow, fucking four minute match. Yeah. Niagara Falls. Look, looks yeah. like he's crying, but it's just. Sweat. Oh, I think God. that's just Kane squeezing his neck so hard, like Big Show's face is a big sponge of sweat, <laughs> squeezing it out of him. Just, just as a Big Show, you know, overcomes this 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 moment and stands up, cuts to the audience as a sign that says, "I eat boogers." <laughs> <laughs> right as he stands up, that's all you can see. Then yeah. uh, Big Show makes his triumphant return to his feet, and Kane hits him with a steel chair. Kane wins. Now, I suppose the first thing I said was like, "Oh, it is nice that Kane finally." You know, I like when Kane gets fucking victories on pay-per-view. It, like, never happens. But he cheated. He hit him with a chair. Yeah, but I suppose you can do the whole thing. It's like, oh, it's the big show. You need a chair, blah, blah, blah. Big show hadn't been taking many clean losses at this point, you know. So he still has to have an excuse to lose. You want to talk about a match that was just fucking... Oh, God. Dull as dishwater. I never one of these guys is like, oh, man. Hashtag work rate. You know, I don't... I don't... I mean, you can have a match and do fucking nothing. You know, I mean, you could be a honky tonk man and like spend ten minutes doing stuff before you take a bump. But this was just lazy. You got to tell a story at least. Yeah, yeah. fucking try like yeah. really awful stuff. Two semi-finalists now confirmed. We've got Kane and X Pac heading through. Backstage, Vince is with Mickey C, and he's indicating that Shane is hurt. And you hear all the requisite oohs and ahs coming from the uh, the locker room. And Shane's like, Ah, I am hurt. So Ooh, I'm in such pain. The question now is: Is the match going to happen? Is Vince going to pull out the old uh, card subject to change speech again tonight, again. <laughs> or is uh, something else at work? All right, time for another quarter final. It's Ken Shamrock, the 1998 King of the Ring. A fact which I believe is mentioned. Is it mentioned? It's not mentioned. Not once. No. I, I specifically kept an ear out for it, and no one mentions the fact that Ken Shamrock is a former King of the Ring. Now, if you look at other guys, like when they made a big deal last year, or like even when Triple H is on commentary saying, oh, imagine winning the King of the Ring twice, and Kurt Angle had a big thing in 01 where he's like, I'm going to win the King of the Ring twice, and all mm. this stuff. No one seems to have taken Shamrock they pretty seriously. They really don't give a shit about the tournament anymore. It's become just a formality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Just to let's get the tournament out of the way with, and then we can get to the good stuff. It's, it's a shame here that um, Ken Shamrock is such an afterthought here on the pay per view, because on Raw, as I said, with the thing with the McMahons as stupid as the in, in many respects as you know Vince being the higher power was the cool stuff that came out of it was like the people who trusted him kind of going what the fuck how did you do that like yeah. you know you know, Stephanie did a pretty good performance going on how could you kidnap me and <laughs> Patterson and Briscoe were like left Vince he was like no I can't you know you've gone too far yeah we've been with you 30 years but this is too far and Ken Shamrock was like you know incensed that the McMahons had used this defenseless woman he had saved uh, yeah. as a way to get to someone and he had like stuff like him like diving after Vince and Shane the whole corporate ministry would 
beating Shamrock down and any time he could try to get his hands on Vince it was awesome and even at one point Ken was booked in a straight jacket match before this pay-per-view Jesus as in Ken was just like locked in a straight jacket by Vince and Vince is like he's an animal he can't be trusted was Ken screaming in the straight jacket by any chance he was against uh, I believe Jeff Jarrett and he won <laughs> and then afterwards Vince and Shane Hightail they wouldn't give him the key so he had this like Shamrock in these backstage segments bouncing off the walls going Aah! like it's fucking cl- like it's clue clue land boing boing <laughs> that's like. insane and he eventually rips out of the straight jacket uh, unhindered so I mean I know that's a bit of a it's a bit of a sidetrack not necessarily bearing on this match here but I just kind of wanted to point out that Ken's been interesting and I think they're they're going kind of pointing out kind of oh he's just been beaten up by Blackman but the point is is that he was beaten up by Blackman because Vince and Shane are fucking terrified of Ken mm. so they sent this hitman to, to knock him out and Shamrock comes out and he's fucking coughing up blood like they're like yeah. oh this match shouldn't start he's against badass Billy Gunn who um, he's uh, seemingly a, a surefire winner for this uh, pay-per-view from yeah. the get-go now I mean we are going to talk about a lot of the things like you talked about the background of Shamrock there and you know we're going to talk about things that have happened on Raw because you know these matches are pretty short and pretty uneventful pretty overall snappy, yeah. so just quickly now I want to ask I mean I know Billy Gunn is now Mr. Ass I yeah. can understand that he's evil stand, yeah, he's gone a bit too aggressive he's turned his back on Road Dog. Uh, but when along the way did he become a tag team champion <laughs> Uh, can, you, can, you, can you please fill in some gaps for me here? No, he, comes really out, he comes out with the belt here, doesn't yeah. he? On the shoulder. They, they don't make... They try to explain it on the pay-per-view. Now, you saw what they showed you, and it didn't make sense to you. Is that what I'm... What I saw was Mr. Ass and the Acolytes in the ring mm-hmm. with Kane X-Pac, yeah. yeah. And then somehow it went from those five men in the ring to Mr. Ass holding one of the tag belts. I don't know where the other tag belt is. I don't know what happened. I literally cannot get my head around this. So basically, Bradshaw and Farouk... Um, Bet Kane and Xbox for the tag belts. So the acolytes are the new champions. Acolytes are the new titans. It's kind of you know it's whole thing you know that uh, you know Median found the the Euro belt. The acolytes are the tag champs. Undertaker is the world champ. The corporate ministry getting all the gold basically. Yeah. And it was just a thing that obviously because they were you know Xbox and Kane were feuding with the acolytes, but also they were feuding with 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 Triple H and Mister Ass because of them spitting up DX. Uh, it was like a six man tag, and they were putting the tag belts on the line. The uh, the the acolytes. The idea being that, like, the winning team, you know, that tag team would get the... And it's so fucking stupid just saying it. It's just putting right. the, the tag belts on the line, the six-man. Yeah, but this okay. is coming from the man, Vince Russo, who put the world belt on the line with the fucking tag match that included David Arquette. So, I mean... True that, yeah. So, basically, what happens is Billy Gunn scored the pinfall in that six-man tag match where the tag belts were on the line, which technically means the Acolytes retained the belts, yeah. but Billy Gunn nicked one of the tag belts and claimed that he was a tag team champion because he defended the title... Now it makes no sense because the acolytes are heel. Now that's it. Like there's that's that, it. That's it. So no one's gonna stop Billy Gunn from going. No, it's just it's like a, a weird, letting him do this. It's an eccentricity of Billy Gunn. Yeah. So does this mean that Bradshaw and Farouk are having to share the other belt? Like they're coming out wearing it together. Yeah, they only have one belt. Like they do a thing where like Bradshaw gets it back off Billy like the next night. But it never what the fuck is going on then? I know, ludicrous. It'd be one. It would be one thing if Billy stole like one of X Pac or Kane's tag belts. Yeah. But the acolytes are here. Oh. Yeah, you're a heel anyway. Okay. The, that's the kind of momentum that's <laughs> going to make a fine king of the ring, I think. You know? the, the other thing I don't get is he's, he's clearly a heel. Yeah. He's clearly a heel. Still doing all the suck it and all that he's, kind he's of stuff. He's still doing though, that, yeah. and the audience still love him. Billy Gunn, he is still doing all the the kind of DX stuff. He does the promo in the ring. He's still wearing the colourful tights. He's coming here to the, you know, the I'm an ass man music. He's... He's a he, fun character still. He's been yeah. presented as like a fun guy, yeah. For the I mean, the audience 
I suppose they're naturally going to still cheer him because, I mean, good guys do heelish things all the time, really, in Attitude. And he doesn't look any different. He looks like the same old Billy Gunn we used to. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, he's still mm. doing all of his same shtick, but then just every now and then he is a heel. Yeah, he does. It's weird. Quite heinous. Now, Kenny, I know you want all these people to believe that you're actually hurt, but we both know the truth. You're running scared. I don't scared care. of Mr. Ant. Yeah, right. Shamrock's not afraid of anybody. So let's settle this. Grow some balls and come out here man to man and we'll do this now. Or just show these people that you're not as dumb as a box of rocks and forfeit the match. Either way, Mr. Ass is going over the world's most dangerous horse's ass. <laughs> And whether he is in good enough shape to compete or not, I think he's coming our way. Ken is coming out, and again, he's trying to be stopped by the EMTs, and he just goes, This is officially the scariest I've ever seen Ken Shamrock. This is like, just him backstage, blood all down his chest and coming out of his mouth, pushing little guys out of the way, just going, Look, yeah. going on the floor it's oh god it's weird the only thing think as he was nice. walking out was uh, look at the eyes of Shamrock like, he, just, he looks scary he huddles out now the problem with this is Ken has obviously got internal injuries mm. now yeah. in Ken Shamrock's world internal injuries means I'm going to hold my arm now my neck now my back now my tummy <laughs> now my side now my knee now my toe like you know pick a bit that is sore you know yeah. that and stick with no me. consistency I mean in all due respect I wouldn't have I mean, I love Ken, but they've given him such an out. I wouldn't mind if this match ended in 10 seconds. But we do get the requisite four-minute match of Billy Gunn beating the shit out of him, yeah. you know, hitting the hit him in the midsection, all that stuff. Shamrock gets the ankle lock on once or twice. But what kills this match is that the crowd, for whatever reason, just don't buy into Ken Shamrock's plight as a whole. Because, I mean, like he's quite sympathetically presented here. He had the angle on heat. He gets beaten down by Vince's guy. He mm, wants yeah. to go out and win King of the Ring. You know, he's outmatched. He's still trying out. And the crowd's like, yeah. You said it yourself, though. It's a shit crowd. Like it's just yeah. from the yeah. get-go, this has been a rubbish crowd straight away. Did you uh, did you notice uh, Jerry making light of workplace shootings in this match? No, I what? did not. <laughs> Please tell me more. Um, Excuse me. Uh, that's uh, at one point during the match. Uh, I think it's one of the few moments when uh, Ken actually gets to uh, he, he puts uh, Billy Gunn in the ankle lock. Jerry says Ken must have come from a line of postal workers, as he can snap. At any minute. Jesus. Well, at least he didn't specifically say he was going to shoot someone. I mean, that... <laughs> Jerry then goes on to say he is going to shoot someone. <laughs> that would have been a shoot shooting then. I mean, that... <laughs> Billy misses a top rope splash. You think, oh, this might be a moment for Ken to get back into it. He goes off the ropes and just gets this big sit-out powerbomb thing. Yeah. And it's like a fountain of Manny Fernandez blood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Like, you know, uh, explodes. Uh, Shamrock is, is, is a hurt man. Yeah. Teddy Long... Proving that discretion is the better part of valor calls for the bell, and he's like, "Yeah, sorry, Ken, you can't continue." So, to, to which Ken says, <laughs> "Just retching horribly." The, the Ken Shamrock, <laughs> the Ken Shamrock of old would have belly to back suplexed this man. <laughs> Instead, he barely manages to throw uh, Teddy Long over the middle rope. Like, what a difference you know? a year, mate! I know. I mean, geez, Teddy Long was way like you know a bag of fucking flowers. Like, I mean, like seriously, he's a light man. And yeah, Shamrock just. It's one of the last pay-per-view moments for Shamrock, and uh, oh, it's sad. I mean, sad. Shamrock does really fizzle out 
Um, he we're coming to the end of Shamrock's time, really. Yeah, he's gone by 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 the end of summer. And, That's a shame. Uh, it yeah. is a shame, particularly when you see Ken Shamrock fucking tweeting Vince McMahon asking for a job these days. So Mr. Ass wins. He's going to the quarterfinals. Backstage, the kayfabe. Kevin Kelly. Uh, okay, okay. You know what? I'll give you that one. Yes. I like that. The, the kayfabe. Brilliant. All righty. He's backstage with China. How does it feel to be the first woman to enter the King of the Ring tournament? Well, you know, when I was a little girl, I only wanted to be a princess. But now I'm all grown up, and tonight... I'm gonna be a queen. Road dog, you got big brass balls to step in the ring with me. China just is like, balls! <laughs> That's it, like. He must have big brass balls to fight me. You must have balls to step in the balls with my balls! <laughs> okay, she only says it once. I know, it's, like, it's, it's fucking visceral. She, she does. It's really plosive, isn't it? She oh, balls. She proper wants to be queen of the ring. She does, despite not having balls. I know. Balls. Um, it was a, a quick to the point promo there. Triple H chiming in there, making sure that we all know that he's basically not in the corporate ministry. I don't I don't follow any orders. I march to the beat of my own drum. I'm not booked tonight. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically, you can't be like in the corporate ministry and then be a lone wolf, you yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> it's time for another quarterfinal. Good thing they didn't break these up or anything. No. But it's China, who wants to be Queen of the Ring, taking on the road dog Jesse James. And there's been a bit of a story in the build-up to this. Uh, you're never going to guess what it was. The story in the build-up to this was that for every week prior to this, road dog had been hit in the balls <laughs> by China. <laughs> China was working over the balls in most... Um, so this is why she specifically mentioned his balls. The, the, the balls thing was actually a recurring motif on purpose. Oh, yeah. Then. Oh, yeah. I see. The Road Dog's top even says, down where, down here, with a little arrow pointing at his balls. That, but- you, these are my balls, and this is where you should aim. <laughs> the whole story of this match is playing up. This is the first singles match, actually, I believe, of China on the podcast. I Quite believe so. Possibly. Yeah, I think you're right. I can't think of anything else. Yeah, because right, she yeah. had the tag match at Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah, but this in the is, rumble. But... Yeah, but no, this is a one-on-one. So they're playing off uh, the kind of the classic China story here, uh, which is basically Road Dog doesn't really want to fucking go and clatter the mm. shite out of her, and she's taking advantage of that fact. Which is, you know, it's a pretty, um, pretty solid uh, it... story for this whole match. Yeah. I'll tell you now, you all know my opinions on Road Dog. Yep. I really liked this match. This is one of Road Dog's best matches, in my uh, humble opinion. It's not amazing, but it's a good match. match. Yeah. China, who was referred to by Jim Ross as a jacked up Jezebel. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) He does not like her. China, the uh, big bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, I know I'm not the hippest. But I like to think I have a relatively good understanding of, like, you know, common street terms and, you know, what the kids are saying these days. Uh, when Road Dog comes out, he goes, Welcome to the doghouse, where you know I always kick that shiznit doggy style. Uh-huh. What does that mean? I kick that shit doggy style. What does that mean? I take care of business doggy style. What does that mean? I fuck people in the ass. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Just clarifying. He does, that's he does such an unnecessarily long... Uh, introduction for himself yeah. considering it's a tournament but yeah but you know what to get doing. there's a reason the fucking crowd get into this match yeah, it's and it's it. because Road Dog. I mean notice it's a recurring trend the crowd never seems to die in Road Dog, Val Venus fucking Godfather matches even if they give them ev- you know, reasons for the contrary because if you get the crowd and they get to say the bits and they like all the fucking saying the things they're going to be into it no they know how to light that fuse don't they yeah and uh, people loved doing road dogs sing along stuff with them it's it's infectious start off with a little bit of chain wrestling and i really like this it was the whole thing was that 
you know, Road Dog is trying to, you know, be a gentleman kind of, so to speak, just, you know, doing hold for hold, mm. not doing anything, you know, untoward, and then China just, like, sops him in the mouth. Strengthens like, out of it, and then, yeah, just elbows him in the face. She does it, like, four sword. times, and this really fucking scary, stiff-looking China elbows. Strong elbows, yeah. Right in his fucking mush. It was really horrible. But, uh, yeah, China keeps getting the upper hand. I have to say, I really, really like this. And kudos Same. kudos to the Road Dog, it must be said. This is one of the few times I'm going to, you know, set aside go, Road Dog, you did something really good. But not a lot of people were necessarily thrilled with the idea of bumping around for China. Oh, yeah. Road Dog, he fucking jumps around. He makes he makes her shit look awesome. If she punches yeah. him, he fucking reels back. He does more for her in this match than, you know, most people would have been willing to. China looks really good in this she match. She looks better than in this match than she has done for the whole run of the podcast. Because she's, yeah. I mean, she's she's outstandingly limited, China. Like, yeah. I'm not going to say China is a good wrestler. She's not. But she's got limitations and Road Dog just, you know, works around those and makes her look good as and a it result. Works. And I didn't think I'd be in a position where I'm like, hey, Road Dog is making someone look good. Mm. But good Lord, he did it. I mean, the classic example of this is uh, Ahmed Johnson, friend of, friend of the podcast, allegedly at one point said when he was asked to take a bump for China when she first came in was, ain't gonna let no bitch hit me. It was an actual quote from him. Not nice, sensible thing to say. Good guy, Ahmed. And you know what? Uh, he, 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 I know the deal our personal life and whatnot is nothing to do with it and whatnot, but I don't think China necessarily gets kudos for being a fucking woman in, like, who is basically being told by the writers, you will wrestle the men, and mm. that is it. And Fair putting for, up with all the shit she gets as a result. I imagine, yeah. like... Patterson and Briscoe, for one. Yeah, I mean, this she's, she's had some, like, crap pulled her. So, yeah, I mean, fair fucks to her. And, yeah, it's it's a good match. Uh, they're using Triple H on the outside as well, who's kind of... It's weird to see Triple H as yeah. a pest manager. Yeah. Uh, you won't be seeing that anytime soon, like... No, um, but, you know, again. Triple H works over Road Dog, gets in, you know, the... Uh, the odd hit here and there. Uh, I wonder how stiff China really is because a lot of her moves look sore. There's one point she does a spinal tap on the road dog. He just goes, oh, shh. <laughs> you know, just, uh, he, just, he, he actually looks right into the camera he, and stops. He buttons up that SHI, you know, doesn't finish it off. Did you uh, notice the commentary throughout this match? The commentators were quite meandering, really. Uh, they, were me- they were meandering, but the one subject they kept coming back to was JR asking King if he was in a match with a woman, would he punch her in the face? Um, and, and he does ask, he says, what would you do if you're in a match with a woman? And King just simply says that he'd knock her on her ass. Which I think <laughs> we already knew. Yeah, that's Christ. true. <laughs> Sorry, this is the man who, uh, who struck a blow against Andy Kaufman for doing the exact same yeah, thing. Man. Yeah. <laughs> what, hypocrite. Hypocrite, like. Front row behind the ring on the hard camera, there was a man that, um, that I referenced this earlier, abstract signs. This man will be a repeat offender tonight. He holds up a sign that says, I'm on probation. And then takes it down five minutes later, brings up another sign, and it says... I like fried pig feet. <laughs> what? what? He'll be back later. Sable, oh, right Sable, come back. <laughs> Sable, More from please. that man later. Sable! <laughs> Sable, no! Oh my good God in heaven. Uh, we get China doing the shaky legs knee drop at one yeah, point. Yeah, cool. It's got a uh, great pop from the crowd. Quite funny. We get a sleeper now. China blocks Road Dog in a sleeper. Big long rest hold. Road Dog is getting up out of it. And it was a shame because it was the big comeback moment. Rodog was meant to finally make his comeback and hit the seat front China, but she fucked up and elbowed him in the back of the yeah. head. Which again is just um, it down. We get a ref bump though. Number two. Number two. Number two of the nice. Triple H gets a chain out, hits Rodog in the face, and then China gets the pin. But Rodog manages to kick out for a great near fall. And then we have Triple H being confronted by the heartbreak kid. It's HB Shizzle, Shawn Michaels. And fuck me, he's got a glassed over look in his yeah. eyes. Yeah. He's, 
He's not with us tonight, is no, he? No, it's, he's a, not. it's a shame you couldn't be here tonight, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would have been really enjoyed. Shawn he, Michaels, the walking advertisement with his T-shirt that says, "Was it Shawn Michaels Fighting Academy on the front?" Is it yeah. Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy? Yeah. And then on the back, it's got the phone number saying "Call now," and he makes sure he stands right in front of that camera and has that number filling up a nice big portion yeah, of the screen. There, great skill. Teach you how to write a check. It's a uh, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But he trained Daniel Bryan, right? Yeah, fuck's sake. Anyway, we get Shake, Rattle, and Roll, an amazing comeback from the Road Dog. And, you know, Road Dog does all these crazy dance and theatrics and whatnot, but when he's on a really hot comeback, it's just great because the crowd are, like, so much more into it because yeah. they can chant along and stuff like that. And then there's this amazing moment. One of my... I remember marking out so much as a kid when I saw this, where she goes to low blow Road Dog again, and then all of a sudden, there's something wrong with her hand, and of course, Road Dog takes out. Yeah, and the look cup. on his face. And he's looking at his face, he you know, points at her, hits her with the pump handle, and then we get the one, two, three. Yeah. Fucking, I, if you told me, look at this card on paper, it's not a great card, this. But Road Dog in China, I, I really didn't think I'd enjoy it. And I really enjoyed this match. No, I, this was a really real surprise this match was, yeah. Really Dark great. horses, the both of them. Seriously. Um, you know, quite quite strange. Uh, I was wondering, I was thinking to myself, you know, the, the thing in WCW where Goldberg speared Brett and then, you know, he was knocked out and Brett took off the metal plate. Oh, yeah, underneath. Did that come before or after this? I have no idea. My knowledge of WCW is... Uh, really I'm, not, I'm not comparing Goldberg's spear to China hitting you in the balls. But <laughs> similar. <laughs> similar, is all I'm saying. Yeah, great outing from China, um, I have to say. Really good match. Backstage, Mickey C is with The Rock, who cuts a fucking awesome-ass promo. Undertaker, you think you impressed The Rock by lighting a Brahma bull on fire? Well, The Rock says... Einstein that the Brahma bull has been on fire ever since he's come into this son of a bitch. So The Rock says you also think that you impress The Rock and the millions and the millions of The Rock's fans by talking in tongue? Well here, The Rock's gonna talk in a little tongue for you and it goes like this. Ooh la la Sabida, The Rock kicking your candy ass all over God's green earth if you smile What The Rock is cooking. Short and sweet. Short and sweet, yeah, to the up. point. The Rock was having a go at, at, at Undertaker for speaking in tongues, you know. And we were talking before the, all the sacrifices of that. The Undertaker has this really weird shit. Mm. What I actually have is an actual speaking in tongues bit, which oh, is... Someone's transcribed it. Anal Natrak Dokin Dieber, except the Lord of Darkness as your saver. Anal Natrak Tierra Natrak, allow the purity of evil to guide you. Well, it turns out that that is actually from a movie called Excalibur. What? I know, and it's actually a spell called The Charm of Making, which was cast by Merlin in this movie. And it's actually Old Irish. And the translation here is Serpent's Breath, thy omen of making. Except the Lord of Darkness is your savior. Serpent's Breath, Serpent's Land, allow the purity of evil to guide you. It was fucking Irish all along. Old Irish, but still Irish. What <laughs> the hell? What the absolute fuck? That's so, so strange. They needed The Undertaker to learn some tongues for his bit, and they're like, I know. There's this film called Excalibur. This is a great <laughs> All I'm saying is fucking Vinnie Rue used to own a video store before he worked for WBF magazine. How many other things has he Fuck made? you, Russo! I read your book! I read your book! 
I actually did read his book. It was shite, but no, I mean, yeah, the metaphorical book. I mean. Well, how much else has he nicked then? I'm just saying. That's interesting. Very, That's very interesting. interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. Anyway, coming up next. <laughs> the brood. Taking on your hardy boys. Yes. Oh, I used to love the brood. I used to love the brood. Sadly, the brood have been rude to us. If you don't know why, go and check out our bonus Smackdown pilot episode review. You'll find out all about the brood there. <laughs> Making a debut on the podcast, Matt and Jeff, the Hardy Boys. I did not expect this. No, this is awesome. Led to the ring by Michael P.S. Hayes, no yeah. less. What we're getting is Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys. Yes, you I are. I did not expect this here. Dressed and up in a weird pre-2000 you know, 2000 way, but yes, it is the first proper encounter on pay-per-view between these considering the first four matches we had here tonight, well, the first three matches, the last one was good, um... Boy, was I glad this turned up out of nowhere. This yeah. was such a nice surprise. It's nice to know, I mean, because arguably 1999, you're seeing so far, the storylines are so crazy and there's a lot of unused talent. You, you think that there's a lot of... You might perceive that the quality of the shows are getting worse, but then something like this comes along reminds you you're coming close to that beautiful oasis that is the year 2000. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And particularly the tag division. You've got a lot to look forward mm. to with these guys. Really great stuff. So the Hardy Boys, who had been... Uh, Basically, have been around since the year dot as jobbers, you know. I mean, Razor Ramon, you know, had bet the shit out of Jeff Hardy on numerous occasions on yeah. back in the day. So it was cool that, you know, they were around, they were signed to a contract. The gimmick now was that Michael P.S. Hayes was their manager saying, These guys have got something, I'm going to help them get to the next level. Hmm. Now, originally, the story goes is that when the Hardy Boys found out they were being paired with Michael Hayes, Michael Hayes just immediately assumed they were doing the new Freebirds. I went out apparently and bought them all weird costumes oh, and hats no. and feathers in it. Oh. And little did he know that he would have to dress as a hardy boy, not the other way around. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, there's two of them and one of you, man. I mean, just it's the way it goes. Uh, an odd pairing. Yeah, yeah, it's peculiar. It's really peculiar. What? Why really is this strange. old man with these two young books? Because I honestly, Matt and Jeff, they they need a little something at the moment. As in these guys, I mean, arguably they never really got I'm not good on the mic. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just why Michael Hayes. You know, Michael Hayes knows tag wrestling. Michael Hayes is, you know, he would probably be uh, an agent or producer. So, mm. I mean, this would actually probably be, you know, a bit of him actually helping them out for real. A bit of a Paul Ellering kind of situation. As well, then. I mean, it's the kind of thing is that, you know, if they're they're very, very young guys. I mean, the Hardys are like early 20s here. They're so fucking young. Mm. It's always a good idea to put them with someone who can keep an eye on them, that kind yeah. of thing. Because they're going to be on the road more with the, with the show. A strange one how this match came about. It's a number one contendership for the tag belts. And it was originally meant to happen on Sunday Night Heat until the Acolytes came out and bet their shit out of everyone. Mm. And then just having the match again. Hoping the Acolytes just don't come out. <laughs> please, please, do. please don't come out, guys. <laughs> the um, Acolytes are one half of the tag team champions. Hardy Boys, who I wrote down, are dressed like everyone's creator wrestler from SmackDown 1 and 2. <laughs> everyone had those pants. The cargo pants. Yeah. First of many battles we'll see between these two guys. Off the bat, I, I, I wrote down here, amazing gut buster by Christian, and then I couldn't keep up with these moves. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Non-stop action. Talk about guys who know that they need to just have notice taken of them. Prove themselves. Yeah. So it's just like, maybe a little bit of the psychology goes by the wayside. They're just kind of like, fuck it, move, move, move. They and show they, off. They, they show off straight yeah. away. Mm. I don't think the crowd gave them what they needed in no. this. The crowd sort of, I mean... On one hand, you can sort of see like why they don't know why they should care about the Hardys. I mean, had the Hardys had much screen time before this? Ah, very little. No. Very, very little. So you can see, like, you know, who are these two fellas? But at the same time, the show they're putting on is fucking spectacular. Really, and this crowd is not deserving of it. Really, just some great spots here, which which get pulled out. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. And I thought I, I I thought it was 
it was strange seeing this style of match now. This is the kind of really fast-paced, spot-heavy, lots of big, innovative moves. This is the kind of tag wrestling which, I mean, honestly, you don't, you're not used to seeing in 1999. Mm. You know, with the likes of, you know, Kane X-Pac and the Acolytes. And, you know, they're, they're good wrestlers, but... Or even before with the Outlaws and fucking LOD and whatnot. This is such a cut above. It's almost yeah. like a little foreshadowing, a little teaser of what's to come. This is what's coming yeah. the next year. And there's great stuff uh, coming down. Uh, Hayes, at one point, eats a spear from the edge, which was... Uh, like that's his paycheck earned, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get spear off the middle rope. Amazing, oh, man. Po- poetry emotion attempt by Jeff and Edge just spears him right so out of his boots. Jeff's already in midair and Edge is doing it from the turnbuckle, so they collide in midair and oh man, it looks fucking awesome. And it's just the uh, the crispness and with all these moves are done and just the uh, the pace. I mean, no one it's. You're used to guy gets worked over, build it up, hot tag, in you come. I know that we won't get to use the Nando sauce scale tonight. Adam, no, no hot Because there's no hot tag because this is the kind of match which is in and in, in. There's that quick, yeah. almost lucha libre um, aspect to it where it's just you know in out in out do fucking lots of moves. The finish of the match comes where Gangrel he's meant to like he's having his blood supper. And he's going to just like spit it, miss, and hit edge. But he's like he looks behind him like ten times, going, oh, yeah. "Is it uh, now?" now? Is and then it he. Time? And then he basically just spits right in Edge's face. Yeah. So you have the uh, seeds of the broods breaking up now, basically. Already, yeah. Um, oh, no. Though they, uh, they hug it out. They, uh, Gangrel just goes over and you know, you know I have a thigh. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they bro-hug it out. Yeah, they do. Yes, but there is... there is. It's to be, You all know in wrestling, tag teams never have a problem. Shake hands and then it's okay. And ne- If you shake hands, it's an even worse sign. Because <laughs> that means that it'll be bottled up later down the road. But, you know, yeah. I mean, just, you got to go over. you got to hug your bro. And remember that, you know, we used to hug each other, but it was forbidden by the Undertaker. You know what? Still put on a great match. Yeah, great, yeah. great match. Great, great match. Two great matches in a row, which, I mean, a lot of people were saying, telling me that this is the worst pay-per-view of all, of all time, like, you know, mm-hmm. the Attitude Era. It's not, so far. I mean, we've got two matches. Can, yeah. Worse than this, Can yeah. say to it. I mean, yeah. But anyway, the Hardy Boys would go on to use their um, championship match cause on Monday Night Raw. And the planets aligned in a certain way that... Bradshaw had been dropped on his head like a million times by Kane on Heat or whatever, so Bradshaw was basically dead. Hardy Boys beat Bradshaw and Farouk and become the tag team champions. Whoa, that's it. Nice. Which, if you haven't seen it, is just a great, awesome moment because the acolytes have been built up so well as just these fucking brick shithouses. And these young kids, is like, who are these fucking Hardy Boys? What? It's like the one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon, though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah really awesome. cool. Go out of your way to, to see that match. Uh, great stuff altogether. Alrighty, Mickey C is backstage with The Undertaker. Tonight you put your WWF title on the line against The Rock. Can you withstand the charge of the Brahma Bull? Can I withstand the charge of the Brahma Bull? What question is that? I got a question for you. What happens when you rip the balls off of a bull? It just goes balls. Yeah, more balls. Balls. What happens if you? What happens the- when you rip the balls off my balls? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God take us, stinks. Talks about castrating the rock, pretty standard attitude era now. Standard yeah. Undertaker, pretty, yeah. it really, for quality wise. Vin Mac comes out, Vince McMahon, the higher power himself. This is the greatest opening to a promo I've ever seen. It's the best line. <laughs> I know what line you're going to say. Like they're, and all it, chan- they're all chanting asshole, and Vince is in the middle of the ring looking annoyed. He just goes, You are a very rude audience. Very rude. And Vince is from North Carolina. <laughs> oh, poor Vince. Now, here's a question for you. If we hadn't, you know, had the whole it's me, Austin, Howard Power revealed, blah blah blah, would you have really figured 
just comparing this to a previous heel Vince promo that Vince has been unveiled as the Machiavellian borderline cultish leader of this evil group who's orchestrated all these hits. Does he seem in any way? He just seems like he regular. Seems to have calmed down. He's actually closer to pre WrestleMania 14 Vince McMahon, where yeah. he's like Mr. Austin. You know, he's he's really calmed down a lot here. <laughs> I'm the proud owner of the World Wrestling Federation, Mr. Austin, and. Quite frankly, it's me! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is it is kind of strange, because the first night when Vince reveals himself as the higher power, he's got the fucking cloak on and all <laughs> this. Big rose. <laughs> like a mage. Like a Sith Lord. Like. <laughs> he had done a few things, like, there was, there was he was wearing, like, darker suits and, like, black shirts, and he had, he had this night, and he cut a promo, and he goes, Tonight will be a night for all to remember! And he's, he's gone really evil, you think. And then he just... Donald's back and he's wearing regular shirts and suits. And, I guess uh, they didn't have the balls to go all the way with this angle, really. Well, this is this is something me and Adam have, have, have discussed uh, yeah. in private before, Billy. But what do you reckon? Fantasy booking here. Armchair booker. But magic Vince McMahon would have been fucking amazing. Uh, yes. Imagine Vince McMahon who can make the lights go out or the fuck, yeah. throw a lightning bolt or well, a fireball. He'd need, he need, he need a different elemental power because <laughs> obviously the Undertaker's got lightning, Kane's got fire. What would, he, what would his power be? Wind? <laughs> Wind? Blood. When he goes, you're fire, uh, fire, and like a tornado comes out of him, kind of like. That would have been so incredible. Magic, Magic Vince. Vince McMahon, like proper yeah. go full on. And then what I said was you can have an amazing bit where, you know, like further down the line, Vince is like, I don't know, electrocuting Stone Cold Steve Austin. Undertaker lifts him up and throws him into the core of the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> Off the hell in the cell or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they really unlimited power. <laughs> I believe they have missed a trick. That would have been the greatest storyline of the actual. Era. If you're gonna fucking go ridiculous and make Vince McMahon be the higher power, at least give him higher powers. Go all yeah. in. Go Don't all pull in. Back on it like that. But anyway, no, sadly, nothing of the sort. Vince teases the match tonight being cancelled as Shane is not able to compete. But Shawn Michaels' spirit just kind of floats in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only a hologram. I can't give you. <laughs> it, it's strange because he manages to walk, you know, in, into the, into the stadium through arena, the Titan through drop. arena. But he doesn't look like he's moving. <laughs> he's he just sort of in. he's just hovering <laughs> in, like he's asleep and he's just sort of like being controlled by the pills. <laughs> <laughs> got them in his pocket and he's sort of like Scooby Doo going after <laughs> <laughs> <Scooby> <laughs> snipers. <laughs> the smells coming off. It's like lifting a finger toward it yeah HBK, <laughs> HBK they use him so many times tonight and he's just not in any condition what yeah, they roll him out of the storylines for a fucking reason yeah you put him through a windshield back for a reason Vince McMahon says that he's going to find a suitable replacement Shawn Michaels is like you can't cancel the match it's gonna happen so Vince is like right suitable replacement but who now, automatically, I was thinking, oh, it's obviously going to be uh, Triple, Triple H. H. Yeah. You know, people at the time were speculating that it might be Jericho. Jericho? Imagine that. That's, that's how that's weird. weird. Yeah, that's, that's a That'd weird That'd be a concept. really way, weird way to debut somebody. Well, the thing is, as well, surely if, if you knew Jericho was coming at this point, you would have known who Jericho was and have some sort of idea about what he was like in WCW. That wouldn't have worked. Like, that doesn't fit Jericho's character at all. Didn't stop him bringing in Big Show and having well, him. Well, I, I mean, yeah. But yeah, a crisis averted. That doesn't happen. But Jericho will be joining us shortly. Alrighty, it's time for the semi-final in the King of the Who Fucking Cares 1999. <laughs> Ass taking on Kane. <laughs> Billy coming out with the belt. Still. Hot start. Lol. Yeah, as <laughs> it, if. It's not a hot start. 
Complete silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. The crowd are just not making any noise. It's in this the match. guy you're meant to be getting over tonight, and it's com- you don't use a semi-final as fucking filler. Yeah, that's no, what they're doing here. Really, be pulling it out of the bag at this point. It made me. I mean, imagine if, imagine if the year Austin won the King of the Ring, or the year Triple H won the King of the Ring, and in their semi-final match, you could hear a fucking pin drop, and no one makes a noise for anything. Opening, middle, finish, whatever. I would be seriously kind of going, well, this is clearly not the fucking guy. No. We have made a serious error. I mean, they've got to know. The crowd stirs at one point, which is... Kane does a dropkick. And, oh, good lord, though, what a dropkick. Which Kane clearly busts out because it's like, fuck it. Gotta do something. Gotta do something. Speaking of Kane, I mean, not to get back to more armchair booking, like, but I mean, as a kid... I wanted this more than anything for Kane one year to win the King of the Ring tournament and change his gimmick to King Kane. <laughs> and it, instead of red on his outfit, it'd be all gold. <laughs> he'd, he'd wear a crown and come out with like a big one of those... Uh, 14 carat golds! <laughs> like a big regal cloak as well. He would... Oh, man, it would have been amazing. King Kane, no. King Kane. King Kane, they definitely. Missed the trick again. Sadly, they did. But um, I wrote that... I believe the crowd are actually being very respectful and being quiet so Billy can concentrate on his big match. <laughs> king at one point starts complaining that he doesn't want anyone to be referred to as a king and whatnot. And Jim Ross slyly goes, Oh, you wouldn't like go and sue anyone over using the name King, would you, Jerry? And Jerry shuts up immediately. Back in the 80s when Harley Race came to WWF for a brief period, he was known as King Harley Race. Jerry threatened to sue them. Fucking hell. There's been so many kings in wrestling. Yeah, there has. I mean, Kong Bundy. You might as well try and trademark the word fucking John-like. I mean, it's it's just not not happened. Or big. (laughs) (laughs) Billy Gunn gets a chair. Big Show appears. I'm just waiting for Hardcore Holly to make his fucking appearance now. Yeah. I mean, come on. Show ends up clocking Kane in the head by accident, but uh, doesn't seem to care that he has done so. Have you noticed the way the union have basically been a non-factor? Seriously, yeah. Yeah, they've just disappeared. They kind of existed. I, com- I completely forgot since the last episode. Well, Micker, Micker obviously got... He's out with his injury yeah. now. Big Show acting kind of heel. You know... Test. Test isn't around. Test isn't here tonight. No. We've got stuff with Test coming up in a few episodes' time, but uh, yeah, bit of a, uh, I don't know, bit of a, bit of a shame. It seems that it's just you know nothing amounted of it. Why give a guy? Why go as far as to giving a guy theme music and a pun name? Yeah, if you've got nothing planned. Waste for them. of time. But anyway, yeah, Kane's been knocked out by the chair. We get a pin. Badass Billy Gunn has been Kane. He's going to the finals. He's in the final. It's uh yay. yay. I really don't feel like he deserves to be there. No. Just from his matches tonight. No. He really doesn't. And it's not as if, oh shit, at WrestleMania and, you know, over the edge and backlash, he's been having these amazing matches. If anything, his last kind of oh wow, that's a good match, you know, that I would say rumble. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's been a while since I've bought I'm a fan, don't get me wrong, yeah, I like yeah. Billy Gunn. But he's I mean King of the Ring. Just because you're a fan of someone doesn't mean that you should think that they should be in a main event. And I don't think you should be in the main event. No. Certainly no. not at this point anyway. Backstage, X Pac is with K Vin Mahan. Kevin Kelly. <laughs> You're going to have any mixed feelings as you step in there against your very good friend, the Road Dog? I think that's a dumb question, Kevin. Obviously, there's mixed feelings when you go in there with a friend. Uh, Road Dog, Brian, James, Jesse James. Uh, man, you're one of my best friends. But, uh, you know, tonight, this is an opportunity for both of us to reach that next level. And uh, I hate to sound really stupid and corny, but... Uh, May the best man win. Best of luck. Uh, X-Pac looks quite stoned here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Seriously. He goes, hey, you're my friend, Brian James, Jesse James. <laughs> <laughs> 
pick one like Brad fucking Billy John wanna <laughs> get hardcore <laughs> so yeah okay we've got our next semi-final coming up it's the road dog Brian James Jesse James Frank hello Joe <laughs> against X-Pac and X-Pac comes out and we cut backstage straight away road dog is there with the K bow bow Seriously now, this has got to stop. Kevin Kelly. Gone too far. (laughs) Xbox in the ring and Road Dogg, I know it is going to be the battle of two friends, but there really is so much I'm riding on this one. Yeah, friends, he's my best friend. This may be the hardest match I ever ever have in my uh, whole career, but I tell you this much, we're professional wrestlers, and the king of the ring is a billet that I can tell you I damn sure want to hold. So I hope X-Pac likes to, uh, laced them up tight. I said X-Pac, and I meant X-Pac. Now, if you don't mind, Kevin. Oh, you didn't know? No, It's really a shame what happens here because he, he cuts a. It's Road Dogs went to cut a promo and then like take the mic and then walk out and do his entrance. It's yeah, really cool. Cool. that's really fucking awesome. Yeah. Kind of like a little Goldberg thing almost. Like mm. just kind of keep going. But what happens is he accidentally calls X Pac X Pac X Pac, yeah. and he's like, "I'll say Pac, but Park, and I didn't mean to fuck it." I meant to say Park. Uh, he, he starts. Should have just swept it under the road. He just leaves that hole he's digging and just walks down the fucking road. You yeah. know, he just see he he heads on out of there. So yeah, it's Road Dog and X-Pac, DX kind of imploding with very little build, really, or kind yeah. of... I don't feel like the last two surviving members of DX are going at it, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, well, they, they, both, they both say in their promos they're going to go at it as friends still, but they're going to give it each other their all, but it's, they're not going to let it affect them. Brother, there are no friends in the King of the Ring. No. DX are as tight as it gets, but it's every man for himself when in I, the King of the Ring. When I throw you over that top rope and the <laughs> 29 other Kings of the Ring. <laughs> for fuck's sake. I, I, I love what uh, Road Dog says, but as soon as he gets to the ring, he just goes, cut the music, let's boogie. <laughs> like, I just really like yeah, that. No, that, was, that was awesome, that was awesome. They go straight to it, the lads. X-Pac is selling the, the, the neck, which has obviously been targeted in the last few matches. Fell watching this, and I think it harmed my enjoyment of the match. The Road Dog surely should win, because then it should be Road Dog. I totally agree. And Billy Gunn, the New Age Outlaws, yeah. finally one on one. It makes sense to do that. Yeah, because yeah. they've even though they've split up the Outlaws, and you know, the Outlaws have split up a few times, and they will split up again over the course of the podcast. We never had that Billy Road Dog finally. finally. Yeah, you know it's it's quite strange. Yeah. I think they're the only tag team. That have never had that confrontation. It's a wasted opportunity, really. Because the TNA, obviously, Bully Ray and Devon fought. Yeah, uh, you know, Edge and Christian. Yeah. You know, Matt, what happened to my dog? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to my dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it would be quite, if Road Dog's dog got burnt by Billy Gunn, that would be personal. But yeah, as I said, we, we don't we don't necessarily um, strange. get that. But uh, X-Pac's neck is hurting. We get shake, rattle, and roll very, very early on. And, you know, this, this pattern has become a trend, so to speak speak which is we're going this match is going to be four minutes you know it straight away because yeah. xbox is you know hits a spin kick and then straight away he's off for the bronco buster i'm like all right we're, we're finishing we're up through this thing yeah. yeah like hurry up gang you know so yeah he misses the bronco buster which for some reason hurts his neck and not his anus <laughs> and i'm just saying <laughs> like yeah, okay. you know he goes into the corner and, like crotches himself ah my neck you know come on <laughs> 
football in the neck. So uh, we got a pump handle slam attempt by the Road Dog, and then uh, X Pac reverses it, hits the X Factor, and X Pac wins. Yeah, didn't see it coming. No, it didn't. But again, it was. You know, it was too quick for me to... It was one of these matches where I didn't even formulate an opinion of it because it just went by so fast. I couldn't tell if it was good, if it was bad. It was nothing. It was literally nothing. It was very, very peculiar. Uh, Jim Ross, uh, you know, gives props to the guys for having the uh, bit of sportsmanship at the end as they embrace, shake hands and all that. King's disgusting. Jim Ross is like, look at the sportsmanship on display in the ring. What a good example for the young fans. And Cherry Lawler goes, look at corny and stupid over there. (laughs) (laughs) What a dickhead. Abstract sign man is, again, he's there on the front row on the hard camera. And he uh, has the assistance of three other people to hold up an enormous sign that says, I am a McDonald's employee of the month. Yeah. Explain that one. I, I don't, he's not had a single wrestling sign all night. Well, he's obviously so highly intelligent that he feels the need to make fun of people who work at McDonald's, like, in the yeah. front row. Like. He's got one more sign coming up later on. I think all that right. explains everything. Universal truth. And someone correct me if I'm wrong. With the exception of Sign Guy Dudley, if you're someone in the front row and you bring ten signs to a show, you're a fucking prick. You are. Yeah. You're just the put it down, shut up. You're asking to get your ass kicked. It's it's been an asshole. You're just yeah. trying to make it all about you because you know you're on camera. You, you, you're blocking people behind you. You're on camera anyway, so you don't need any more attention with the. Or make them sign. fucking funny at least. And yeah. geez, these guys, you got a, a dozen signs. Put the effort you put into making a dozen to making one. One passable yeah. one, at least. But that's enough bitching about uh, about about signs for for now, because it's time for a WWF Championship match. It is the champion, the Undertaker, who won the title at Over the Edge, taking on the People's Champion. It's The Rock. The Undertaker's wanton aggression has awakened the fury within the Brahma Bowl. the rock then you will come to king of the ring and you will put the wwf title on the line and go one on one with the great one you want a shot at the undertaker the king of the ring for the wwf title no problem just this little hitch so it's the rock and the undertaker in a non-title match we have a stipulation for you this evening what the stipulation is rock is me champion he must win this match tonight to earn a wwf title match at the king of the ring versus the undertaker you and all of these people were hoping for a crack in the foundation of the corporate ministry you were hoping for it but just like mr mcdonald said that's not gonna happen tonight that's not gonna happen any night Promo package there. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the the music at the start, kind of like a inbuilt Casio. Uh, we've made this analogy oh, before. The... <laughs> yeah. That, that kind of, yeah. <laughs> 
It's really pretty, awful. Pretty meh package, I thought, actually. It's nothing really like, exciting. The Rock, of course, had been bearing the brunt of the corporate ministry's chicanery. To get this title match, he had to beat The Undertaker and Triple H in a triple threat match, mm. which was only one because of the very obvious strained relationship between The Undertaker and Triple H, which no one cares about. <laughs> <laughs> Vince McMahon, several times in this, says, it's not going to happen tonight. That's not going to happen any night. They're kind of making out that the, the beef between Undertaker and Triple H means that the corporate ministry is disintegrating. And like the promo package ends like, the corporate ministry may be disintegrating. And it's like a flash of Vince, flash of Undertaker, and there's a quick flash of Midian. <laughs> oh no, what about Midian? Like, he is not booked tonight. What's what he going to make of all this? So yeah, starting things off, Rock's music hits. Takes his fucking sweet time. To Doesn't turn up for a good two hours. Crazy. You know, as we're waiting for The Rock to appear, Jim Ross starts talking about the history. Greensboro, North Carolina, obviously big NWA hotbed, Crockett Promotions. He's like, Chief Wahoo McDaniel, Ric Flair, the Andersons, uh, the Briscoe Brothers. I was like, oh, this is nice. He's putting over, you know, these kind of former talents, a lot of which work for, you know, WCW and whatnot now. Mm. How nice of him. Because that is against everything usually that Vince is on the headsets yeah. he doesn't want wrestling talk and then immediately after listing all those names Jim Ross buries them all going and none of them could sell out 22,000 like The Rock <laughs> and The Undertaker <laughs> from the Ric Flairs and the Gerald Briscoes and the Funks and they could all kiss my ass it was a swerve <laughs> fucking Shane Douglas on commentary here Undertaker's music hits and uh he takes his sweet time. He takes his time. We, we then see that this match is going to be a foggy arena match. Yeah. The amount of fog, seriously. There's a fucking Rob Van Dam underneath the turnbuckle. <laughs> Very strange start to this mm. match. Very strange. Bell rings, Taker attacks the ref. Yeah, just knocks him out straight away. So that's ref bump number four. Four, four yes. And then we immediately get the rock bottom. Pin cover, Jim Ross is like, one, two, three, you know, yeah. but there's no ref there. Then the other ref comes out, mm. Earl Hebner, to, to, to make the save. Bear knocks him out, so that's another ref bump. Number five. Five times <laughs> the ref bump. And then <laughs> we get a choke slam. Or should I say a choke slam? <laughs> what an odd start to the match. Yeah. I actually thought, given how fast all the other matches have been so far, I actually thought that choke slam was going to be the end <laughs> yeah. of the away, and that would be it. Rocky kicks out of the choke slam, which, you know, does his. Makes him seem like a quite legit, yeah. Which I like. Uh, the guys go and they start brawling to the outside, and that's all well and good. But I don't know. I it's not all well and good. I know. I, I fucking outside brawling bores me to tears. Only a few guys can pull it off. Stone Cold being one of them, and Mick mm. Foley. They can make it look you know entertaining and keep you interested. These guys just take fucking forever. Like, let's go and stand over there and hit each other. Okay, now let's go and stand over there and hit each other. It reminded me a little bit of kind of Sting's recent matches in TNA which is you know obviously he can't have a 10 minute match so he'll have a match where they crowd brawl for 7 minutes you know 3 minutes in the actual yeah. the actual mm-hmm. match fighting. and I was saying like you know bronze outside it's it's not the end of the world in my mind but I was just kind of I felt very much so that The Rock and Undertaker are both very capable of having a high-quality match. Mm. And that's really been that kind of knockout, proper, kick-ass brawl tonight. Yeah. And you're not going to get it in the main event, because that's obviously kind of a, you know, it's the McMahons and Austin in a, a, in a gimmick thing. match. So I thought this is where we're going to get our fucking meat and two veg or proper wrestling tonight. But uh, sadly, we don't really get it. Um, we which do get I was a disappointed. nasty clothesline onto the concrete. Oh yeah. yeah, that looks so. They do take those couple, bumps actually. out there. You know, we get suplex Rock, by Taker on the concrete as well. Rock takes a lot of bumps today. It's mm. yeah. He, he, again, we we pointed out before the Rock takes a lot more bumps. Than I believe he's necessarily given a 
given credit for. No. Yeah, he gets knocked about. Rock at one point uses the water on The Undertaker. Nice to know that, uh, you know, even in the gravest of circumstances, comedy still finds a way to <laughs> its way in here. The Rock tries for a chair, but The Undertaker has a bell, so he wins. Uh, then on the next page of my notes, wrote down rules for bear chair nightstick, which is wrestling 99 equivalent of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Was it an ODQ match? No, the referee was watching and saw the Undertaker hit him with a bell, and he was like, I'm going to allow this. So if you knock out two referees, it's automatically become an ODQ match. Apparently, yeah. Oh, it's a different referee. This referee's got separate rules, you see. You've yeah. been misinformed. And then we get the spot of the night. Paul Bear, by God, the shoe, the shoe, <laughs> the shoe. And then we see a shot of Bear holding his shoe like he would the urn, going, Maniacal <laughs> laugh. Like lightning going off behind him. Such abstract imagery. Who the fuck uses a shoe? Yeah. Seriously. This is weird. And also, Paul Bear physically intervening on behalf of The Undertaker. He's The Undertaker. Attacking The Rock. Mate, that's, that's weird. Really, really weird. We get a really sick running DDT, though, from The Undertaker, which Jim Ross says is the most salacious DDT The Undertaker <laughs> has ever hit. He was big on that word tonight, salacious. He said yeah. salacious a lot, and scintillating as well. What a scintillating manoeuvre. After the scintillating, sensational, sensuous uh, <laughs> DDT, we get a fucking long-ass headlock. Yeah. Really long. Rock gets out, though, hits a Samoan drop, starts mounting a comeback... Reverses the tombstone pile driver and hits the DDT. Then we get the people's elbow, and when the rock hits it, Jim Ross says what I believe is his new catchphrase. Who's your daddy, Undertaker? Who's your daddy? <laughs> he says it again later on. He's trying for it to take off. He's trying to make it take off, isn't he? Who's your daddy? People's elbow. Whammy! Whammy! <laughs> In response to this, Paul Bear decides to pop down to uh, the Smoky Mountain Wrestling rule book and whip out the bottle of ether. Yeah. And you know it's surreal. a bottle of ether because it is a black bottle that has the words ether written on it. <laughs> and so you sort of like Paul Bear wafts it away from his face doing like sort of a P.U. kind of thing. <laughs> goes for the ether, the rock gets it on the Undertaker. Yeah, he and hits him with Mr. Ether. He yeah. He's <laughs> with ether. And let me tell you, there's nothing more depraved than the sight of a man in an ether binge. <sighs> Devil ether. It makes you behave like the village drunkard in some early Irish novel. Total loss of all basic motor skills. Blurred vision, no balance, numb tongue. The mind recoils in horror, unable to communicate with the spinal column. Which is interesting because you can actually watch yourself behaving in this terrible way, but you can't control it. <laughs> Undertaker is he's laid out there and all kind of like you know order some golf shoes we'll never get out of here alive <laughs> and then Triple H makes an appearance yeah. here comes Triple H what a no good lousy son of a bitch he didn't even do anything <laughs> yeah. just for turning up <laughs> <laughs> that son of a bitch like, also love the way the Triple H changed into his wrestling gear to do that because when he's yeah. interfering in China's match jeans interfering in Undertaker's match Baby, that's a different story. Baby, that's knee pads made, like I'm just saying. <laughs> Triple H, true to, true to form, does interfere. Pedigree's The Rock. Obviously, his I beat to my own drum thing earlier mm. earlier on, you know, was... I you wanted to say... Clearly taking orders, isn't he? Imagine if Triple H from 1998 saw the Triple H now. This really serious... Oh, you beat to your own drum? Does that mean you play your own instrument? You know, yeah. what, what happened to that guy? You know, I still... Don't think we've got justification for Triple H to act like this now. No. no. He's went from a juvenile creep to the, this fucking super serious... Uh, Too stark, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, need, I need justification for that. The Rock manages to kick out, though. 
That's a pretty good night for the Rock. He kicks yeah, out. Good, I, was, I was worried for a second that we were going to have a finish where it's proven that the pedigree is stronger than ether. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Undertaker gets hands up, hits the ether stone pile driver, and uh, <laughs> he looks so dizzy. He like yeah. it's obviously not real ether. He, like, he sells it really he sells well. It. He's yeah. just looking woozy. There was a the point when driver. he was not down on the ground. You think he's going to sit up? He's kind of leans over and goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the end, I think the last you know the last closing moments of the match, I think it salvaged it for me a little. Bit. I enjoyed it mm. not great certainly these two are capable of much better the way yeah, I see it are. in my mind is um, at the King of the Ring you have the King of the Ring final and then two main events is what we had in 98 yeah. we had the main main event and then we had the second main event which was the Hell in a Cell match and considering this is our second main event tonight this is the sort of the equivalent of the Hell in a Cell match from last year well no, this is the title match so you could argue it is a title match but it's still not the main event because you've got the main event being saved it's on, a, it's on a patch on either the First Blood or the Hell in a Cell yeah, match even no, the First Blood then yeah. comparing this to the First Blood as a title match Nowhere near, and just as a whole, when you look at how great King of the Ring '98 was, compared to this, good God, this has been such a step down. It's a shame, and I think as you know, Billy, you said earlier, you can see why they dropped it. Yeah, I mean, it was going on for you. Bring back King of the Ring. They fucking brought it back, and no one gave a shit. Yeah, like you know that that that, that was very much a case of them giving you what you wanted and people not caring anymore. Because well, honestly, is it, is it about the crowd not caring, or is it about creative not caring? No, neither. Because, I mean, think about it. Seamus won King of the Ring. And they gave him the full fucking King of the Ring. Oh, shit. He, and the crowd just couldn't care less. Mm. So the crowd didn't buy into the gimmick these days. And if the crowd don't buy into the gimmick, the creative aren't going to take it seriously because they know people aren't going to react to it. But you're honestly, if Austin hadn't done the Austin 316 speech at King of the Ring, no one would ever remember. The tournament would yeah. have been finished long yeah. ago. Because it, it's just Austin having to cut an iconic promo. The King of the Ring is such a nothing title, really, at this point. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, we can maybe have a discussion again when we go to King of the Ring 2000. But as it stands right now, no, no. No. It's, it's nothing of the sort. So backstage, HB Shizzle somehow manages to gather together the uh, cognitive functions to uh, kick Triple H out of the arena. Vince is like, no, he's my suitable replacement. <laughs> That would explain why he was in his ring gear, at least. Oh, I suppose. That makes sense. And then HBK yeah. says, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. Full on just, swearing at the boss. Just passed by the sensors there. Street yeah. talk is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Though Vince does look slightly annoyed. for You can see a good two seconds, you just see, you fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, are you ready for the King of the Green finals? Good Lord, what? Mr. Ass, taking on Xbox. Strange final. It's so it was weird. The Rock versus Ken Shamrock last year. Yeah. The Rock and Ken Shamrock. And then he's on X Park and Mr. Ass. X Park, who just, you know, he's selling the neck, but he just looks ill. Mr. Ass cuts a promo backstage beforehand, which basically signifies the fact they're not going to give him the mic after his, uh, in yeah. the ring after yeah. his coronation. Mr. Ass says he's going to go for the neck. And uh, he comes out again with the belt. He, doesn't, says he doesn't care if he cripples him either. Yeah. Ooh. What a jerk. It just doesn't, I don't believe him. He, no. has, he hasn't I don't feel he has that mean streak hasn't got the edge no. I don't know he's too smiley it's weird because I, I do sort of buy into I, I mean I find myself not liking him because he has sort of got the arrogance and the sort of like yeah I know I'm going to win that kind of prickishness about him it doesn't but, add up though but it doesn't click with his no. character it's weird he's, he's got the right heel mannerisms at times but overall Mr. Ass is still blatantly a face because I mean at the end of the day you can't be like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna take advantage of your hurt neck and you're like I love to love him I love to <laughs> yeah. kick him yeah. you know at the end of the it's day not, it's not a heel gimmick no, no it's, it's not. not and he doesn't act like a heel when he's doing the gimmick he just he does that and then he'll cut a shit promo that the crowd are like oh yeah. are you a baddie what? confused yeah but anyway here we go Mr. Ass true to form goes for the neck straight away and the crowd is not into it no. pin drop this is the final it's, it's, sho- it's shocking 
get a press slam by Mr. Ass, but pretty soon thereafter we get the X-Factor from X-Pac Bronco Buster and again we're getting this whole like fuck ending sequence yeah fucking four minutes again you'll miss it did yeah. is someone got a, a bet going saying that I bet I can you know book every fucking round of the King of the Ring to be less than fucking five minutes apparently so shocking so yeah Billy Gunn starts working over the neck then oh and then we get our grunt of the night right here and X-Pac is selling the neck and uh, you know I, I immediately noticed this grunt and Kevin said to me oh that'll be your grunt of the night right there and I was like in two minds about it because it's a good grunt but it's a little real. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of graphic. Just, it is X-Pac selling the neck and he's just going... Oh, but, but when you listen to it, it's sort of like... Oh, God, this guy's in pain. I, I, I mean, it's, I know it's not real. But it's the fact that X-Pac actually has had neck injuries. And I think they, they keep always going on about the neck now. It really does... And you know, uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, X-Pac is his neck. And yeah, yeah, seeing a guy sell his leg is one thing. But when they're selling the neck, the, the neck is like such a sensitive area. It's so dangerous to get injured there. Like When they're selling the neck, it always makes me think like, eh, no, yeah. X-Pac, no, don't die. The neck is so, it's, it's a real thing to sell, yeah, isn't it? Is, it? Like, yeah. yeah, it's really, really Very like, few guys actually ever sell it because I think it requires a level of... Because if your neck hurts, it should affect like so many things. Because I mean, if you're picking a guy up, that's that's gonna hurt your exactly, neck. Yeah. Most guys won't know when to sell, but X Pac is a fucking pro. You do yeah. legitimately buy it. That's that's the highlight of this match. Is X Pac selling the injury. selling yeah. the neck? Was, like. was, was that our first shoot grunt of the night? Perhaps, <laughs> maybe it was. Perhaps. Oh, what, glad gay wasn't a shoot. <laughs> Come on, man. Anyway, we get uh, X Pac and Billy Good heading over to the corner, going up top. And an amazing kind of last moment of passion or whatever, you just hear X-Pac going, Come on, you motherfucker! <laughs> Make some noise! Uh, get a diving fame master from Billy Gunn. Uh, note to John Cena, that is how you do that move without fucking looking like you're going to kill someone. Yeah. And uh, one, two, three. That's it. It's silence. Such a, such a non-ending. Yeah. Now, it just comes out of nowhere. I don't yeah. like reusing clips. I'm going to play the clip from Jim Ross announcing Shamrock winning last year right now. Fucking you know the emotion there. It was yeah. all Shamrock, Shamrock, King, of the, King of the Ring. He never gave up and he did it with his ankle. Oh, uh, that gives me chills mm. every time because Shamrock just has this look in his eyes. One of my favorite moments. Um, this one here, Jim Ross is literally just. Well, there you go, Mr. Ash, King of the Ring. His exact words are, we've got a new King of the Ring, and it is Billy Gunn. That's it, that's how he says it. Fuck me, man, seriously? Uh, you know how I was saying before, like just the comparisons between last year and this year, that sums up the difference completely to me. Shamrock! Shamrock! We have a new King of the Ring. <laughs> such a stark contrast. Who's your daddy? Mr. Ass is King of the Ring. What? <laughs> anyway, uh, we weren't going to talk about the exclusive home video bits, but on the version this we watched, one is fucking home hilarious. video, uh, Billy Gunn, obviously because he's such an important King of the Ring, doesn't get to have his you know post-match interview in the ring or anything like that. He has a backstage one with... With Michael Cole, can't tell you any words he says because I just wrote down "tiny breath" promo. Mr. Ass, you can call yourself 1999 King of the Ring. 
You're damn right. You know, there's a lot of people out there that didn't think Mr. Ass knew how to do it by himself. Well, guess what? I did because I am now king. You see, no more people riding on my back, getting on the coattails. Adios, Mr. Ass. Where are we going? When can you take me to the top? You know, it's everybody on my back. Now I'm by myself, you see. And this is the first step in becoming the greatest, and I do mean greatest, WWF champ this company's ever seen. It's tiny little breath. I am the king of the ring. I defeated him. X Pac couldn't stand a chance. <laughs> sounds like that's our king of the ring. That's the man that's going to lead the company. It's time for our main event handicap ladder match for control of the WWF. It's Vince McMahon and his suitable replacement to be named taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin, who happens to be the CEO of the company. <laughs> put into action after Stone Cold recaptured the WWF title. A plot that preyed on the innocence of a young girl and cast father against son. You're not my father anymore! A plot of betrayal. I care about Stephanie. I care about her safety. Of course. And her welfare. A plot of deception. Vince McMahon needs Stone Cold Steve Austin. A plot whose premise was power. I present the power. Who is it? The greater power is cold and calculated. It's Lee Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. It was Lee all along, Austin. You all bought it. Even my family. Even my family bought it. Mr. McMahon is stranded. His daughter, Stephanie, is missing. She's obviously been abducted by some members of the ministry. I don't feel safe at home. I really feel safe is when I'm with when I'm with my dad. You don't know your own flesh and blood anymore. It's pretty confusing. There is no price I will not pay. Dad, Shane, how could you be so cruel to me? It's just business, business, business.
pay-per-view event, which is King of the Ring. It will be me in one corner, Vince, it'll be you, that little son of yours, in the other corner. You know, the only thing worse than Stone Cold being the World Wrestling Federation champion is Stone Cold being the CEO and chief executive officer Beer drinking contest. So, once you use your resources, go get those Stone Cold and come to Cold Beers. Want to change Shane McMahon's salary and just stretch that off? You know that? That is now the beer budget. I'll have another Cold Beer. You're fired for looking stupid. Now get your ass out the door. Stone Cold, you have disgraced the World Wrestling Federation. I got a little something for you. What is this? That's cow manure. The CC brothers are bringing in cow Austin, we take this CEO title of yours. You hang it up all the way, and the only way to reach up and grab it all, Austin, is by climbing a ladder. Tonight, we're going to have a match to decide the final stipulation in the ladder match at King of the Ring. Awesome fucking promo. Yeah, the stuff. diabolical plot of the corporate ministry. Yeah. Now, everyone always rants and raves and loves the, uh, you know, it's me, Austin, all that. Mm. You know, we've, we've discussed that already. But what most people seem to forget is that the second Vince makes that bombshell announcement, Linda McMahon comes out. It's one of her first ever appearances on screen. And she immediately, like, nullifies Vince's evil revelation by announcing the new CEO. Which is Steve Austin. Yeah, So, the, like, within the same segment, the higher power was revealed and Austin became CEO. And mm. I don't think people ever actually... Well, no, because everyone that. just remembers the four-second clip of It's Me, Austin. Yeah. yeah. Could Linda have been any more obvious? It's like, I think there should be a new CEO. Maybe more informal. Wearing cut-off jeans. <laughs> maybe a little profanity around the... Maybe he should drink... Beer. Maybe he should be bald. <laughs> Maybe he should do the Stone Cold Stunner. Maybe it's 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 Steve Austin. Is she? <laughs> if I remember rightly, as well, is that um, while she's still doing that whole big build, like, Maybe he should drink beer. Vince is in the ring, looking around, like, "Who the fuck is she talking it's about?" It's Jake Roberts. And then when she says Stone Cold, he's like, "Oh my God, Stone Cold! <laughs> I hate Stone Cold." <laughs> the best Vince McMahon quote ever about Linda McMahon was, "I love Linda, but she is not a performer." <laughs> <laughs> which I just love Austin coming out though as CEO this is something one of the first things you ever vined yeah go on our vine page to see Austin coming out with the uh, Donkey Kong country music over the top because <laughs> he's got his red tie um, so Austin is CEO we got a few clips of it here in oh, the uh, so thing. funny my, my, my favourite being Austin uh, initiating the beer drinking contest with the board the board of directors yeah and he says he gives them all like 10 beers or whatever and it's like come back whoever's standing has still got a job <laughs> and at one point he fires someone he says you're fired for looking stupid <laughs> 
I believe there is a compilation on YouTube, isn't there, of all the CEO clips? Yeah, um, I actually posted it on the Facebook page. Which Make you can go sure you watch out. it. It's the so whole thing. Funny. Some other highlights, we might as well talk about them now. Austin goes to the accounts department. He's looking at all the numbers. He's like, shit, son, look at all this money we're losing here. 50 grand, 100 grand, look at all this red. What is this? He's like, well, that's the time you build a Corvette with cement. That is the time you broke the Titan Tron. That is the time you, you know, you drove a monster truck in. And that is the time you came out in a Coors truck. I love that so much. Continuity. Like. Wrestling has such a short-term memory. Like people only remember what happened in the last two or three months. They never actually reference things that happened way, way back. Yeah. And to have a big list of all the stupid shit Austin's done and the effect it's had on the company. <laughs> and, uh, so funny. Cool thing as well, which was uh, he takes two zeros off Vince's paycheck and. Puts Puts it on Mick Foley's. Yeah. He's like, oh, Mick Foley's got to pay some bills. Oh, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> Vince is probably going to make like 10 grand next year. <laughs> it's like a trailer park supervisor or something. Also, Shane McMahon's uh, entire salary is now the beer budget. <laughs> and you think, that's a lot of beer to drink. But it's like, Mr. Austin, would you like your coffee? He's like, hell, son, it's 9 a.m. I'll take a cold beer. <laughs> like, Mr. Austin, like, you know, got the CEO on line one for you. Like, I'll take a cold beer. Like, <laughs> Oh, and he got the secretary downstairs to answer the phone. She didn't like, she answered the phone like, we're Wrestling Federation, just a moment or whatever. And then he's like, no, you got to do with attitude. And then like, he comes back later on. She's like, her answering the phone going, yeah, who the hell is this? What the hell do you want? Like, you know, and Austin's like, yo, thumbs up. <laughs> There's never been a moment where Austin's been more like a cartoon character. Yeah. Because he does this whole thing, by the way, folks, wearing his vest and cut off jeans <laughs> and his wrestling boots in a boardroom with his earring and his fucking beers. Ridiculous. I, people always remember Stone Cold as being like the badass, like, I'm going to beat up funny. my boss. But yeah, he is one of the funniest fuckers in wrestling. He's such a funny guy. And again, I think if you look at all these guys going back now, which for me anyway, growing up as a kid, Foley, Rock, um, you know, uh, Austin. It's the comedy. The, the humor is what yeah. gets you. And I, you know, Jim Cornette always says, funny don't make money. I strongly disagree. Funny in a match, maybe, but funny in segments. Funny, I think I think that the thing is like comedy shouldn't be your only thing but when you're a real tough guy that's like a legit serious wrestler and then you can do things like this yeah. as well it just makes you so much more endearing to the fans but and makes there's the fans no harm in doing it. it it makes it makes you more human yeah, yeah definitely it's brilliant it's it's really fucking cool and yeah Stone Cold a CEO is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in all of wrestling and how could Austin cap off this entire tirade best thing he did he saved the best to last which is he went into Vince McMahon's office I decided to redecorate it. He put in two tons of bullshit in his office <laughs> and poured beer on it. Oh and he's just God. there looking in the camera going, you sorry piece of trash, pouring beer on all this cow shit. And Vince McMahon is like, no! <laughs> this disgusting image of all this shit and beer in Vince McMahon's office. And that's the thing about, you know it is Vince's actual office because it's the same place from beyond the mat. Yeah, it is his so, uh, actual office. Where draws tried to puke Austin poured a load of shite so uh, <laughs> with that all in mind in typical McMahon fashion they decided to up the stakes the highest stakes imaginable ownership of the company is on the line because Vince basically says he doesn't want to work for Austin he'd rather be you know unemployed so it's all or nothing uh, winner take all don't know why Austin really agreed to the match but again yeah. that, is, that is what he does Austin had won a match on Raw against Big boss fan meaning that there's no corporate ministry interference allowed at all, so no one is allowed in. So yeah. you're ensured that this is going to be a, a fair fight, so to speak. So Vince McMahon heads out at the start to discuss 
his suitable replacement. He's got no. He's got no Triple H. Obviously, you know, whilst the corporate ministry are are, are, are missing or out of action, uh, Bossman got fired by Vince because really? for losing the match, Austin fired uh, Bossman on uh, on Heat. So you know. The list of uh, people he can hire is very thin. So he decides to go back to the old reliable, his suitable replacement, the lethal weapon, Steve Blackman. Immediately I was thinking, we're going to see in the main event of a pay-per-view, Steve Blackman and Stone Cold fighting each other. This is going to be really interesting. I say, I I love you, Blackman, but take a good long look, because that is the closest you're ever going to get to the main event. (laughs) Seriously, like, um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool. I remember as a kid, not really knowing much about Blackman at the time, and I really bought him as like, oh no, this is like... He's like a proper like fucking ninja. Like he yeah. he is like gonna kill Austin. You know his gym bag full of weapons. But uh, no no no. Lo and behold, what appears on the Titantron? But GTV. Yeah. Never thought we'd get to see GTV on this. No. GTV, which was a random backstage segment, which would appear. It would seem to be like a hidden camera, black and white with audio, and you just see guys backstage sometimes plotting, scheming. Yeah. I think you previously mentioned the Billy Gunn having his ass shaved bit as well. Yeah, you'll if you tell anyone I have a pimple on my ass, never the pleasure of shaving my ass ever again. <laughs> Should have put down a t-shirt. <laughs> Shame that phrase never caught on. <laughs> but my favourite one is Val and Big Show in the bathroom, and Val goes, <laughs> and they call you the Big Show, that like, the urinal, like you know. He looks at his dick. Jesus. You know the one which is like Al Snow picking his nose for like a good four minutes, <laughs> <laughs> filling up some time. GTV reveals Shane McMahon backstage with the pot. Going, yeah, I'm not resting tonight. <laughs> Frat boys, like, um, he's dragon. not remotely in- injured. No, no, he's fine. He's, he's, doing, a, okay. he's doing a lie. He's doing a big old lie, Shane McMahon. To which Shawn Michaels apparates, disappears, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, basically, oh, Shane is okay. You are going to fight. He kicks out the Mean Street Posse. Shane is back in the match. Love a ring around. Did you like the whole like, kind of show wide? Oh, who's the partner going to be? Blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I mean, it felt like there was a bit too much back and forth of this. Like that, he's like, oh, uh, so Vince is going to go one on one with Steve Austin, maybe? Oh, no, no, he is going to have a partner. Oh, the partner's uh, Steve Blackman, after all. Oh, no, it's not going to be Steve Blackman. It wasn't Triple H earlier because he got taken away, so who's it going to be now? Oh, it's Shane again now. There's an awful lot going For on. For me, I thought, I didn't like the whole fact that, that Vince and Shane were trying to weasel out of the match because I thought that. You know they would want to win the match no matter what. They want ownership of the company, surely. Yeah. yeah. You know. F- for me, is like there was never any doubt in my mind that Sh- Shane wouldn't be in the match. Yeah, I know it's weird. It was, so it was, it was, for, for me, it was just a lot of filler because Shane's obviously going to be in the match. Yeah, because Shane's obviously. I mean, um, out of the two McMahon's, he's the one who can. They're not. That's they're a good not, point. They're yeah. not going to have just Vince against Steve Austin in a ladder match. In a ladder match because they've already proven in the cage match that you know. Whilst they can do a decent job, they can't do a great job. They need someone yeah. to take the bigger yeah, yeah. bumps, and Shane's always game for doing that. So, so yeah, Shane McMahon is definitely in it. I do have to point out, I adore Shane McMahon's hockey top here. It's the Austin 316 yeah. hockey top, but it says McMahon 632, because obviously two McMahons are better than one Austin. 316 times two is 632. Uh, oh, I was going to ask about that. Oh, man. I know. Are we yeah. going to see that in the fucking crowd? 69632, is that it? The sign guy, abstract sign guy. Oh, fuck from him. Front, from the front row here. Heel. His final sign of the night, I think this makes sense, a lot of sense now. It just says, put me on TV. Yeah. So I think that oh, was right. his shitty way of trying to get noticed by somebody. I don't know who he was aiming what for. A, what a crazy... I love I love guys who think that. Like, oh, that's a kind of crazy outside-the-box thing. That's a, you, you listen to they, it. They'll never have seen anything like this before. It's not going to make your parents love you. Go on. <laughs> but anyway, it is time for this match at long live last. Austin comes out. Fucking pop of the night. 
earth shattering. Oh my god, so loud. It's great. I mean, it's it's smart. You you save off until the main event for your big guy. I hate that now with 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 Raw. Cena and Brian will be out three times each before yeah, the main event. Yeah, they, they come out a few times throughout the night. Build it up. He's yeah, the, he's make the attraction. It, make it. Know? That's the kind of thing that everyone wants to stay to see is to see him come out. Austin just immediately goes after both McMahons and whips the dog fuck out of him. Mm. First, like, minutes, the crowd is just exploding for everything Austin does. He's, like, really taking it to him. It's it kind of the story of the match is Austin can easily overpower both of the McMahons, but they they keep just, you know, catching him at this, you know, sidestepping him or just getting him at, at the right moment and attacking him like a pack of rich dogs, as Jim Ross calls them. <laughs> they beat down Austin and uh, Vince goes to get the ladder... And then in a very strange moment of foreshadowing, Vince McMahon claims, not even foreshadowing, I don't know what this is. Vince McMahon gets the ladder and Jim Ross claims Vince is no Tim the Tool Man Taylor. What the fuck is going on here? They've mentioned home improvement. I thought our home improvement joke was so out of left field in the past that it would never <laughs> possibly ever be connected to wrestling. And It's very strange. There's your connection right there. If they reference Big Break, I will probably give up the podcast. The McMahons and Austin head over to Ladderopolis. Or Ladderland. Ladderland. <laughs> Austin and Shane battle it out on top of it. The whole thing is very rickety and I'm very scared. Yeah. Mm. And then Austin, uh, he, he starts taking the McMahon and throwing him through a ladder until there's like, you know, the whole thing is wobbling and teetering and all that. All against on one, all the, uh, balance on one ladder on one side. It looks dangerous. As and that ladder just so happens to have a chain around it. The last, yeah, <laughs> the last <laughs> ladder. And Austin just, he rips it like he's starting a fucking lawnmower and the whole thing just collapses on them. It looks awesome. It looks awesome because obviously they've placed ladders carefully so that Shane and Vince are okay. Yeah. But uh, I just love the two of them are squashed and I wrote down, they must be thinking we must never return to Ladder Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so Austin heads to the ring with a ladder and <laughs> the McMahon's trying to get the, uh, get the jump on Austin but Austin Fuck Shane over the top rope, over the announce table, and into Jim Ross, and Jim Ross's cummerbund comes up. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And then, like, Jim Ross, like, stands up. He's, like, he's, like, so just taken aback that he's been bumped into, and Austin's working over Shane. He's, like, oh, dude, Steve, I got a complaint about an unsafe work environment here, I tell you what. <laughs> Genuinely, later on, when Steve's down by that area, you can see there's a sandwich on the floor, and I love to think that JR's sandwich just got knocked out of his hand. <laughs> oh, that's when Austin was on the floor, and and there were loads of wires and a big liter of water. Just someone spilled a big bottle of water, and Austin's yeah. in a big pile of wires, and Jesus. there's water everywhere. Like, Jesus Christ, no, Steve! <laughs> so yeah, uh, on commentary, Jem Ross and Lawler are talking about kind of you know the implications for Steve Austin being you know the CEO, and Jim Ross is like, oh, I kind of like it down there, you know, in uh, Titan Towers now that Steve Austin is running things. It's like, mate, your checks won't get processed. <laughs> <laughs> and spend all your money on cow shit and beer, like, I mean, come on. So, uh, we start getting into the ending sequence here. Uh, we get uh, an elbow through the Spanish announce table from Austin onto, uh, onto Shane. And which Jim Ross screams, Shane! Shane! Who is your daddy? Who's your daddy, Shane? Quam! <laughs> it's Vince. Vince is his daddy. But anyway, Vince pushes Austin off the ladder. Austin bounces off that you know, oh, really awful God. kind of mm. boing. Uh, that is why you take the cover off the top of the table. Now, yeah. Now you know. When the cover's on there, you just bounce off the top of the announce table like that. It's, it's the equivalent horrible. of eating an ice cream without taking the wrapper off on Vince. <laughs> like, fucking savage. Slow down. Take your time. So Vince climbs the ladder and uh, he gets slammed off in a really awkward, horrible moment where Austin just kind of like nearly dumps him on his head. Mm. It was uh, quite grim. Austin ladders the bejesus out of Shane and Vince and then... <laughs> 
Shane Vince managed to get an opening and uh, give me a boost, Vince. They try and uh, yeah, try and climb up each other. Like to they're hopping a wall into a girls' school or something like that. <laughs> Come on! And then at one point they tried to do the uh, tower. You know, they goes on his shoulders type oh, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. Like they're grabbing and like Austin, you know, taps him on the shoulder, turns around with like Shane on his uh, on his shoulders, going. Ah! <laughs> you were hoping for a stunner. I was hoping that Austin was going to stunner him with only his shoulders. I was hoping for a stunner. Sadly not. Uh, so Austin attacks. Uh, what I refer to as Mecha McMahon Shiva, because they combined, <laughs> like, you know, into this uh, ultimate final form. And uh, it stunners for both of them. Austin heads up the ladder, but the briefcase gets raised. Oh, no. All righty, gang. Now, it's time to discuss this, because we are about to uh, discuss one of wrestling's unsolved mysteries. Now, there are many unsolved mysteries, apparently, in wrestling. You know, who was driving the Hummer in WCW those few times? Probably Eric Bischoff. But yeah, whose teddy bear was it that, that the Undertaker burnt and made Vince drop to his knees and Christ? It was Stephanie. But it couldn't. Never mind. Uh, what about all the other mysteries? It, there seems to be very few actual mysteries now. Yeah. For, yeah. For, 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 for you know, who drove the limo that one time with the Nexus? I think is one that's still yeah. the time Booker T got a letter yeah, saying, "I know what you who did." Who sent the letter? <laughs> Probably said it to himself. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you did on commentary. What the hell? This one. The, the, who raised the briefcase? It, it actually has been included on like official lists of WWE, like really? unsolved mysteries. So uh, the situation is got a, a briefcase that is raised anytime Austin goes for it. When Vince goes for it, it goes back down. Who could possibly have done it? There is no corporate interference. Everyone's like, is it Jake Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> the go-to thing. Like, well, I figured it out, guys. It's it's not a mystery at all. It's Bossman. Bossman got fired. He's not part of the corporate ministry. The next night on Raw, he comes out and they're like. He comes out to his, you know, old time. If you ever take a trip, you know, it's yeah, yeah. hard times. He's like, comes out, spins this thing, like, oh my god, his boss man face, and he walks up to the corporate minister, goes, "I love you guys," and hugs them. Yeah. So he obviously did. He was the, the one that yeah, he helped was out him. there. Yeah. yeah. Fucking unsolved mystery. Well, there man. you go. Then that's the end of that. I'm sorry, but every unsolved mystery we're coming up against, it just needs to be pretty solvable. The answer's really. always big boss man. Tell, tell you what, lads. If there's an unsolved mystery, watch the Raw afterwards. <laughs> I bet there was like Booker T got a letter saying, never mind. <laughs> or he, like, he turns around, oh, it was addressed to Booker B or something. <laughs> yeah. But no. <laughs> now, many people point is just like, this is Vince Russo's typical thing. He sets up a mystery, which happen- he has no intent on ever resolving. Mm. But like, it's not a mystery. May as well talk about it now. It's the first time we've discussed this on the, uh, the podcast, and this is the great unsolved mystery of wrestling. GTV. We never get an answer. No, you never get. You never get an answer for GTV. Never find out who's. Although GTV. I'm pretty sure it was going to be Goldust. Goldust. Yeah, that was uh, that was Gold the hint. Because why? Goldust is gone now, basically, um, in our in our timeline. So you know mm-hmm. he's he's disappeared. But I think the idea was was like this is complete fucking speculation. I've heard. People say it was, you know, oh, it was going to be Goldust. But uh, what I, my reasoning why that, that would be is because, obviously, Russo and Ferreira were very big fans of the Goldust character. And this was a way for them to possibly, like, just have something if Goldust was going to come back. Because the thing was, when people went to WCW, they, they went back and forth, yeah, like, so much. So maybe I was just thinking, oh, it was something that was maybe there for him. For Goldust's return. For his return. So yeah. they, you know, because it plays into Goldust being voyeuristic and weird. And I suppose all that. that makes sense. As we all learned the hard way with the anonymous Raw general manager, sometimes it is best 
not to have these mysteries mm, solved yeah. and G- leave yeah, them. Yeah, GTV didn't really need a reason. It was just more to show you entertaining little backstage clips. Yeah, so didn't I mean, need a motive. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anyone up at night losing sleep or Hoover was obsessed with Al Snow picking his nose. <laughs> clips for sale. Anyway, uh. <laughs> so Austin can't get the briefcase because the boss man is raising it, and uh, basically the McMahons just get one over. They get it. Austin can't reach the briefcase. Yeah, and that is it. The McMahons own the company again. Mm. This is nullified almost entirely because the next night on Raw, Austin beats The Undertaker for the WWF Championship. Wow. Back and forth and back and back forth. Back and forth. Yeah. And uh, Ping pong. there you go. King of the Ring 1999. A fucking car crash of a paper. What a yeah. stinker. I liked the main event. I liked, you know, um, I liked Road Dog in China. I liked the tag match. The title match, that was all right. I liked more of this than I did at WrestleMania 15. Oh, but yeah. in terms of a coherent fucking story, Jesus Christ, it's all over the place, yeah. this thing. That's it. That is King of the Ring 1999. Ask you guys uh, Match of the Night MVP, Adam. Match of the Night's obviously the main event. No getting around that. I mean, like you said, I actually enjoyed more matches than I expected on this. The tag match was a nice surprise. China and Road Dogs match was fucking brilliant compared to what I expected it to be. Yeah. But it's obviously the main event because it's entertaining throughout consistently. It never never slows down. It's just, you know, constant action and constant fun. MVP, is, I'm not sure how you'll feel about this, but it's the first time ever I'm going to have to split it, I think. What? It has to be the McMahons together. Okay, yeah, yeah. It has to be Vince and Shane because the two of them together, I mean... When you make a main event that entertaining, and it's not just that the pay-per-view itself was bad, and so this is good by comparison, this would have held up on a great pay-per-view. Yeah. And for the main event to have three men in it, and for two-thirds of those men to not be wrestlers and still make an amazing match, well, I just think that shows uh, you know a lot of dedication and willingness to put yourselves out there, really. So I was impressed with the amount that Vince and Shane were willing to do to make this match. And yeah, that it just totally put like a nice little end to what was a really shitty pay per view. Really, Billy, match of the night, MVP. Match of the night is up there. Main event it was it was the best match. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, like you said, you know, two thirds of the competitors aren't wrestlers, and they made such a good and coherent match. And they made, it did tell a story. It was a good story. MVP wise, I can't believe I'm ever going to say this. Oh. Is this what I think it is? I think it is. It's the mother of all swerves! <laughs> <laughs> because whilst I know what Shane and, and Vince and Austin, they're all capable of, yeah. I've all said I've said countless things about them. Tonight I was truly shocked by somebody. Who's that person, Billy? Terry was... Taylor. <laughs> T-squared. No, I'm, my MVP of the night is uh, the Road Dog. Hey! Oh my god! Hey! Well, um, well, well. Sorry, Mark Merrow opening this podcast. Fucking Road Dog MVP for Billy <laughs> Keane. What is going on? Well, it's been like three weeks since the episode. People are going to think it's like we've been replaced by evil clones. Bizarro world. Bizarro world. world like, yeah. but, no, he, he, he really surprised me. Mm. And, and I never thought I said that he would be an MVP of mine. Are you saying that now mainly for the Road Dog China match or the Xbox Road Dog match or just kind of overall? Mainly for uh, Road Dog China, but for his whole performance tonight, I, 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 I couldn't really fault him. Apart from getting X-Pac's, uh, X-Pac's name wrong. Yeah. Pop, 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 bye. So, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I want to turn up for the books. I want to turn up for the books. Yeah. Um, so, for me, uh, I'm going to say MVP, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, I, I'm i including, you know, Austin CEO for that. Uh, because yeah. I think Austin CEO is genuinely just 
gut-bustingly funny, and I had such a little re- recollection of it. Mm. You know, it's been so long since I'd seen it, and it's made me laugh so much. It's so funny. And again, not not on many compilations, not known of. That not being on said, any compilations, yeah, it's think. not really. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. That being said, that, that aside, Austin, a great main event, I thought. I thought, you know, he, 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 got, a, he got a compelling match out of two non-wrestlers, you know? Kudos to Steve Austin. I'm happy to see him win the title back. Uh, the next night on the wall as well. In terms of match of the night, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Road Dog in China, actually. Yeah. Uh, mainly because that was a match which I had very fond memories of from a kid, and uh, it really held up that kind of the whole spot in the end. Yeah. The whole match, I thought it was really good. Really, really good. The kind uh, of match you expect to look back on and be disappointed how yeah. crap it is, but it's still good. Yeah. yeah. Completely blew me out of uh, left field. Like I didn't think either person was, was capable of doing that. But yeah, I mean, that's it. King of the Ring as, as a whole. Overall, I have to say, I like it exceeded my expectations, but I went in with this in the knowledge back in my head that this is possibly going to be the worst pay per view that we ever did. It exceeded incredibly low expectations. Yeah, yeah. It was a rough fucking watch, and I can't help but feel that the storylines and other stuff surrounding the pay per view are so fun and so weird that I may not have conveyed how bad aspects of this pay per view were. The entire King of the Ring tournament, with the exception of one or two matches, was fucking awful. Yeah. And, alright, I can say right now, Billy Gunn, King of the Ring, what do you think of that? Stupid idea. Why? Why would you make Billy Gunn the King of the Ring? I don't know who I would have put in his place, but he was the wrong person. I would have given it to Road Dog. Hey, hey Adam, do you think the people will rec- realise that this is uh, recorded separately from the rest of the podcast because the microphone broke for the last five minutes? Uh, Hopefully not, unless you leave this bit in where you say that. How's your Billy impression? <laughs> <laughs> My match of the night. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Attitude Era podcast. And as always, if you want to get in touch with us, or stay in touch for that matter, check us out on Twitter. Give us a follow, at AEPodcast. Also head on over to facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast where we post up pictures, goofs, gaffs, content, and uh, you know, have a bit of a discussion about the Attitude Era. And don't forget, we're also making a conscious effort to make more video content, which you can find on youtube.com slash AEPodcast. We've got some real good stuff on there. You're just saying that because you make the video. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of videos, you can also find us on Vine, which is linked to our Twitter account, so check us out on there. You can see some grunts and some goofs we've been making. Exactly. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and subscribe on SoundCloud. Get all our episodes direct. Leave a rating or review or a like. It helps us out absolutely immeasurably. And don't forget as well, if you're a fan of Matthew's Botchamania, you can catch us on Botchamania.com or even posting our content on there as well lately. So. And also, CallingSpots.com. Check it out. We've got an article in there. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Attitude Era Podcast. It's been a long one and a good one. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll catch you next time at Fully Loaded 1999. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Quite stylish. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Frazier has left the big brass ball.